when it comes down to it, you go, right, what matters really to me in life? Uh, a global pandemic or do I have to be careful of um, possibly missing out on going to dinosaur slash Viking themed crazy golf exactly. for like another week or so. Dinosaur slash Viking. Yeah. So the dinosaurs <laughs> have got helmets on. <laughs> um, so like the Stegosaurus is carrying like four shields. Yeah. Um, okay. It's one of those things where they're like, right, we've, we've got all this stuff to set up crazy golf. And you're like, okay, cool. Right. right uh, what, we got a theme. Yeah, yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, cool. Oh, brilliant. Cool. Excellent. So can we can do the full 18 holes? Oh. Well, we could, we could probably do ooh, 10 dinosaur-themed holes. Right. So what, what else have we got there, Greg? Because uh, I don't really think 10 is going to cut it on this 18-hole thing. Oh, well, you know, that's Viking stuff. Shove it in. That's fine. Let's just get it done, mate. Let's finish it off. Hello and welcome to the Oncast. My name is Dom. I'm one half of the Oncast and joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hi. Hi. In this episode, we're taking on the greatest grand rewatch in cinema history as we talk about the Fast and the Furious franchise, or as it's recently been rebranded, the Fast Saga. Uh, no, no. Right. I've got I've got an observation about that because it's not known as the Fast Saga. Fast Nine is the only one that is known as the Fast Saga. Yeah, so far, but they're going to they'll retroactively go back and call them all the Fast Saga. Oh, surely. What do you mean? This this isn't a, this isn't the sort of film that does a does a retcon. <laughs> the fuck, it doesn't. Anyway, so we're going to be, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the first eight movies in the franchise and potentially touching on the spin off Hobbs and Shaw. So expect spoilers throughout. I think okay. we'll probably touch on it. I'd like that to Hobson Shaw, aka Thumb War, Thumb War is yeah. um not one uh, is the only one I've not seen. Oh, have you not seen it? No. Oh mate. It'll change your life. Um yeah, okay. We'll have to talk about that <laughs> later on. Um so Fast and Furious, we've been threatening this for a while. Um, we've had a story history talking about the Fast and Furious in, in various different instances on, on the podcast, but we've never actually done an episode on them. Um, obviously, uh, F9 is out now. Um, they've completely yeah. they've abandoned even vowels now. It's just called F9. Um, so <laughs> that's how dumb it's got. It, get, it gets increasingly stupid to the point where it's not even a word anymore. It's, just, it's a key on your keyboard. Um, yeah, that's how that's how dumb the titles are. But we've said that at some point, <laughs> at some point, we would do some sort of grand rewatch for the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, and we just Tom actually made the decision, so this is entirely your fault. Um, that we were gonna, uh, yeah. yeah, you you said no, let's do it now because if we wait until the next one, we'll have to do ten. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong, but it doesn't make this any less painful. So <laughs> over the last sort of couple of weeks or so, or I think you crammed them in quite in quite a short space of time, we have watched through all of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, and fuck yes. me, there's a lot of them. There's, there's so there many is. of them. Like there's eight. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it hurts. Um, so I think 
before we before we get started and sort of launch it, I think we'll we'll just go through movie by movie, um, starting yeah. at the very beginning. But before we get into that, can you explain briefly your mm. sort of history with the Fast and Furious franchise? Because you, the other thing to bear in mind with this is that Tom is much more of a car guy than I am. Mm. Um, so that's some there's something to be said for that. So when like the first one came out, what was your sort of initial reaction to the Fast and Furious? So. Uh... So Fast and the Furious came around when I was in my teens and around the time that I was starting to think about cars. And uh, I was like, oh, what's all this then? Uh, saw the first one, loved it. Did you? Yeah, I was 16. So yeah, I was okay. living the dream. Yeah, you were told. Uh, went and saw it with, yeah, went and saw it with my dad and my brothers and uh as we came out of the cinema we proceeded to watch a bunch of you know uh men that are older than they should sort of what's known as peel out of car parking spaces which is where you whack the tail end out of your um ford focus when you uh, pull out of a car park and uh it was at that point that i was like ah oh, this is um you know, going to be a bit divisive for some people. But I really liked it. And then two came along and I was a bit less enthused. And then three came along and I was completely in. I love three. Stick to it. Like three is a banger of a cart movie, in my opinion. And um, uh, yeah, and then four came along. I think I was... At university at the time and i was like okay it's yeah kind of the same as uh the other one but a bit updated uh mm-hmm. and then all the rest are just yeah all the rest of what they are like specifically uh they get worse as they go on and i hate them more as they've gone on yeah uh, so you, that's that's the thing. That's where I want I want to pinpoint. I think it, maybe it will happen as we talk through them. But where your hate for them began because you hate these with a passion. Um, I remember like, I remember dragging <laughs> dragging you to see uh, Fate of the Furious. But it's interesting. Oh to God, see, yeah, But it's interesting was... to to know that like where, where you started as to where you ended, and it, it's an ink like it's similar to the franchise itself because this started off as a just a point break remake. Is all this all these were really? It was just it was a very basic point break remake whereby it was a undercover cop going into some street races and trying to figure out who's been stealing dvd players and yeah now by the time we get to the end of it they're fighting tanks and submarines and like it's just and they're superheroes like, superheroes like yeah it's just it's so ridiculous but it's interesting that from your point of view it started off as a, a, a cool car movie that you went to go see with your dad and your brother and then yeah. Seven films later is me dragging you to seat eight and you fucking hate every second of it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's it's it it's the around uh five. Five is where it should have ended. Five is like the, the apex. That's where that's where it all comes together. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll get to that. So yeah, first of all, the, yeah. so the first so one, like everything post five, yeah, just makes me cross. Like yeah. 
one is like a nostalgia trip for me two is a time when i was experimenting with psychedelics at the same time as apparently <laughs> everybody in the film was three was just a film that i just really enjoyed uh four was like a slightly more grown-up version of one which was kind of fitted for me at the time it wasn't anything i don't know it felt a bit uh it felt a bit gutless to use sort of a car metaphor to it but um and then five was like okay right this is where it's this is like very silly but at the same time it's just on that cusp of believability in places yeah but then (laughs) six seven and eight are where you're just like oh they've officially officially jumped the shark oh yeah big time um because i mean yeah so i I think it's it's the point of escalation. So it starts off and it's literally just this. It's setting LA. It's, it's point break. It's the, the guy goes undercover and he's joined. So we've got um, Paul Walker who plays Brian O'Connor. And he's yeah. like the most obvious undercover cop you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. He goes to these like underground and he's the only white guy within miles. And he's that like an Abercrombie and Fitch looking blonde hair blue eyed white dude yeah and like, surf bro that can't really drive yeah and then he just he turns up and is like well no i'm, I'm definitely not a cop i'm like well obviously he's a cop, <laughs> isn't he? look at him like um and that's the whole like the first movie is just about him trying to get in with dom he um starts a relationship with mia dom's sister that's the toretto family um who are these sort of yeah they're like the, so he casts himself as this some sort of working class hero. Um, he has this backstory that they get into at the time about his father, um, who was a race driver, and now he's, he's he's scared of this particular car. But I think the thing about the first one is that there are some like the the driving sequences. Um, at least there are elements of it that feel somewhat realistic. I mean, in the first one, when people crash cars, there's a consequence to crashing a car, and people get hurt. People get hurt because you, when you crash a car, you don't just roll out of it and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people get people, people die sometimes in car crashes. I don't know if they know this, but that's what that, like there was a there was a sense of reality still in that first movie, and even just like the stunt work, well, as crazy as it got, like the most intense that it's got was just like when they're hijacking the van and like they're, or the yeah. the eighteen wheel or whatever, and the guy's just trying to jump from one car to another. Whereas, like, by the time you get to the end, that's just, like, basic. That's nothing. That's, like, the beginning. Yeah, like, Vin Diesel and Tyrese can can fly. Yeah, yeah. Cars can fly. Everything can fly. Um, yeah. So that's what seems like. It's really quaint going back to the first one, isn't it, in comparison? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, like, it's really, like, there's some amazing lines in the first one as well. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the best, like, you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. Um, yeah. You never had me. You never had your car. Um, yeah everyone danger to <laughs> danger to manifold and then the floor falls out on his car <laughs> so, uh, that was one of my favorite things this just car, is... stupid car okay. speak like just like uh, i was there there's the <laughs> the fact that again the undercover cop goes into the sandwich shop and asks for his crust to be cut off yeah. like you're trying to be a hard like man. a little like, like a <laughs> giant baby it's bullshit no one likes the tuna here i like no the tuna no here. crust <laughs> Uh, it's just the dumbest fucking thing um yeah. but yeah that, that's the first one um and then obviously like it it was a massive hit that's the thing it, it made mm. a massive load of money it came out in 2001 um and it clearly like spawned a franchise and they were like right we've got to make another one then they went into making the second one which ended up being called too fast too furious with the number yeah. twos um 
but they tried the to number get, twos. The number twos. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and they tried to bring get yeah, uh, Vin Diesel back, and he wasn't interested. Somebody he was, and this is where like the ego of Vin Diesel starts showing itself very early on because he was like he didn't think that it was being done in the same way that like Francis Ford Coppola would have approached it with Godfather Two. <laughs> that's literally like something you know, really yeah that's what you think he's like oh yeah they weren't but you know carrying on the story of the character they were just catching in and like it is so ironic to hear you say that now that we're at f9 and you're talking about f10 part one part two and you're fx having, fx and, and back then you were worried about the idea of then ca- just ca- making a quick buck and cashing in on this because like he thinks it's like some sort of Ki- uh, yeah, kitchen sink drama. He thinks this is like now. Beer. Now this is this is where where uh, a lot of my problems come from. Yeah, yeah, I know it is. It's, it's Vin in particular you hate, don't you? Like I can't. Yeah, like I can't wrap my head around it. And like this is something that we definitely need to unpick because there's so much of this that should be that should be fun. Yeah, and it should be tongue in cheek, and it should be self-referential, and it should be like a wink and a nudge, like Lil Bow Wow when he looks down the he, lens. He genuinely just looks in, in, yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a, a lift full of women," and you're like, "Okay, wink." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what does that mean? Uh, I'm in a lift full of women. Right. Okay. Like that happens sometimes, Lil. Um, you know, but it's one of those things and you go, if like, he needs to stop thinking about this, like, cause I know that Vin is somewhat of a, you know, he had like, he wrote a letter to Steven Spielberg. You know, he wrote, he famously wrote a specific a letter to Steven Spielberg talking about his love of film and to talk about his passion and respect that he had for Steven Spielberg. And that's how he got the role in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Uh, like he was, he's, so he's like, you know, at that point is what we would often sort of say is like someone who's like a student of film. So somebody that is, knows what they're talking about is like into this, you know, the whole industry and buys into the mythos of it. But the problem he's done now is he's injected this passion. Can you, I'm sorry, can you hear my fan, by the way? Uh, no, I think so. Cool. All right. Uh, I'm just a bit worried that you can hear it. Anyway, like, but so he injects like this passion and like enthusiasm and spirituality and stuff into this franchise. Yeah. It just doesn't. It... Like, he's talking about it like it's this high drama and like it's like this really conceptual piece. And you're like, you can't talk about family. And you can't start talking about how everybody's family. And here's a point that I'm going to specifically reference here. When two of your protagonist characters, Paul Walker and Michelle Rodriguez, don't have a direct conversation for six films. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> they don't talk to one another for six films. That's not like what he's... There are so many things like that. Like the, the other one, the one that I wanted to point out as far as like, because everyone they come across and have a conversation with just immediately becomes part of the family. And so it's like, yeah. like Giselle is a perfect example. So Giselle is the character played by Gal Gadot and she's in quite, she actually yeah. gets, she gets introduced in four and then is in like three of the movies. 
But then there's, a, there's yeah. something that I read as one of the trivia pieces for uh, Fast Five. At no point during Fast Five does anyone actually say her name. Yeah, exactly. They don't even call her by name. <laughs> but like, it's like, oh no, but you're all family and we'll all die for you. But yeah, like, we're all family and we'll all die for one another. But, but like, you're right. But we'll no, make pithy jokes when you're being shot at. But like, it's same, even like, they won't these... actually try and help you, but we'll all. Yeah. yeah. They have, but they have these like sequestered little relationships. So, like, again, I feel like there are whole films where. Roman and Tej, who are um, Tyrese and uh, Ludacris, Ludacris, don't talk to anyone else other than each other. They're just they're yeah. riffing and doing their like improv funny bits, but they don't. Sometimes they'll, they'll cut, they'll show like a reaction shot of someone laughing at something one of the other ones said, but they don't. Again, they don't have a conversation with anyone. Like, they, no. <laughs> they exist all... in their own separate bizarre little reality. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think, but like. Yeah, so it turns the progression of it. First, yeah, then we had two Fast and Furious. Lin didn't want to come back because he didn't think that it was going to be some sort of Godfather 2. So they brought in Tyrese and made this crazy neon nightmare of a movie yeah. set in Miami. And it had, um, yeah, so they brought in Tyrese and they also introduced Eva Mendes, who is someone who may or may not come back again later in the series. We don't know yet. Um, but yeah, that and that was basically, two was just basically a very similar film to the first one but it was a case of they made it into a bit of a Miami Vice where it was like taking down a drug lord and using yeah. the driving as a way of getting into that um, which they then recycled that same plot when they came around to four but before yeah. they got to four they did Tokyo Drift yes so Tokyo Drift is what the, the uh, <laughs> what, what is it Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw yeah so this is that's what this one should have been well, Fast and Furious presents Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But that was way too early. I mean, this was like, Tokyo Drift was what, 2006? Something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but it, it um, so full disclosure, I've seen all of these movies and had done beforehand, before doing this rewatch, apart from Tokyo Drift. I'd never seen it until now. Right. This is the first time I've watched it and it is bizarre it's the weirdest thing but i completely get like watching it i'm like i i guarantee that like amongst actual proper car enthusiasts this is probably the the one they like the most because it is the most like for a start it's not drag racing it's actual legit like skillful like the, the fact the drifting that they talk about which the whole film is predicated on and it yeah. kind of it feels much more like a sports movie it's kind of like a guy turns up doesn't know anything about this particular style of driving has to learn it and there are like trainee montages of him going through it and it's like yeah yeah that's that's it feels much more like and there's like the big bully that you've got to be obviously the stakes are higher than that but it feels like that do you know what i mean yeah and it well and that's the thing is sort of you know there's the there's the, like the new kid but then there's you well, know the I, circumstances kid, where you're like oh he's the new kid that turns up and you know it's, it's well kid, uh, kid kid is a strong word well, that, yeah. that's the, that was my biggest disconnect. He's supposed to be a 17-year-old, but he was like 25 <laughs> at the time. But he looks 35. He looks fucked. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I, yeah, the whole movie opens and it's got this American teenager. It's played by a guy called Lucas Black. He's got this weird it's Southern accent where it sounds like he's putting it on a really bad crap Southern accent, but it's actually just yeah. the way he talks, as far as I can tell. Um, and But like... He, yeah, he's not he's not a natural actor, and then the fact that they try and sell him as being a seventeen year old is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, just like, the, the, the bit where like because the whole opening of the movie is like he gets into a race with some bully at school, 
Um, and then he has to get sent to Japan to live with his dad. But like they have him in the police station and his mum walks in. And like, I assume that it was, like, oh, this is your wife, right? Yes, this is your wife. Yes. Yeah, like, I can't believe you're, she's talking to you. You're so disappointing, like, with school. And I'm looking at him like, the fuck are you talking about? This guy's 35. Like, why yeah. is everyone talking? Like, oh, you're lucky that they, they might, they're lucky they're charging you as a minor. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, cracking up. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 he's older than the cop interviewing him. <laughs> this is one of those bizarre cases where they're like hang on are you older than your mother doesn't make any sense it's just it's the weirdest fucking thing um yeah it's not um it's not the it's one of the weirder decisions in there but also if you notice the uh the the, the jock slash bully yeah from the start of that is uh his name zachary ty bryant yeah and he was the eldest son in Home Improvement, and oh, so okay. it, uh, which is a TV show from the early nineties. So he was of age as a high school student in the early nineties, right? And now it's two thousand six. So now it's two thousand six. <laughs> so they've got it. a man that's pushing forty. Yeah, nearly. You know, he's got to be got to be in his yeah, yeah probably it, early thirties. In his Letterman jacket and like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and with, then, with yeah, his fifteen-year-old girlfriend. Oh, that's the weirdest thing as well. When the, it's some of the weird sexism that comes into it, where she goes like, "Oh, winner gets me." Like that's yeah. that they're racing for. It's like have some respect for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then and then the race kicks off. And how do they start the race? By a girl taking off her bra and throwing it into the middle of the course. And they just like made this long, lingering shot on this bra just on the floor. I was like, "Is that like, hey kids?" Have you seen sexy? a bra before? Is that, is that is that meant to be sexy? What, what am I looking at? <laughs> but literally, <laughs> it's, I thought, it's just disposed of underwear. I've just I've been I was making notes as I was watching um, a few of them. Tokyo Drift. So I just started off. What the fuck is this movie? And then the second one <laughs> is this a concert he's getting into a college? Wait, this guy's in high school. He looks forty. <laughs> That's just the first thing I wrote because like it starts off and it's like yeah, it's them trying to get like and there's like. Um, metal detectors or whatever to get through a gate or something and i was trying i was genuinely trying to figure out because i've never seen it before i was like where is it they're going is this like a big car festival or something or or whatever yeah. and then the, it never occurred to me that he was gonna he was in high school until it became clear <laughs> that, that he was walking past like jocks i was like so he's a teacher no no he's not a teacher but holy shit <laughs> sorry my friend that's crazy um and then yeah, and then they get to Tokyo, and then I think the biggest, so two of the biggest things that happened with it with Tokyo Drift is we got the introduction um, of first of all Justin Lin, the director, um, who yeah. went on to direct a lot of the other movies um, and sort of shaped the franchise into what it is now. And then he sort of he spun off from that and started directing things like he's directed one of the um, Star Trek movies and also yeah. uh, Aquaman. Yeah, and he sort of yeah, had, he had a big career yeah. off the back of it. That's- yeah, but, well, I, I mean, Aquaman isn't a high. No, but then from also di- from a directorial perspective, you know, we true, we, then, we, um, we were very well versed in the Justin Lin forgot how to close off a scene, so just had a wall explode. I'd put that down to this the script more so than anything. Because <laughs> okay. bear, bear in mind, well, bear in mind as well, the other one is that he directed Star Trek Beyond. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, which was great, and I put that down to the fact that he had a script written by Simon Pegg. Yeah. So it, I, I put that's genuinely, I think, a lot of the problems with Aquaman come down to the script and then not knowing how to finish the scene without blowing something up. 
but that's not necessarily a reflection yeah. on Justin. Um, but yeah, the other thing that we got uh, that Justin Lin brought to it was uh, the character of Han. Yeah. Um, so the first time we actually met Han, and this is where things get fucky. So the first time we met Han was in Tokyo Drift. Um, and he was this really cool, like mysterious guy who had a past and he was like, he didn't seem to give a shit too much about anything. He just, he sort of references the fact that he just, he's got all the money he could want. He just kind of wanted to know what, what our character, the main character, Lucas Black's character was all about. Um, yeah. So he just let him trash his car, takes him under his wing, sort of teaches him the, the ropes and has this weird sort of laid back philosophy in life. He's sort of chilling out in the background. He's always eating something. And it's like, he's cool. He's a really cool character. Um, yeah. And he's played brilliantly. Um, what's the name of the... Uh, make sure I get the guy's name right. Sun Kang? Yeah, Sun Kang, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and that is like... They, they clearly sort of realised that they had something with him. Um, and that also leads us to what is probably, I think, in terms of the driving sequences in these movies, still probably the best. And that is the chase through Tokyo. Um, yeah where they're drifting in and out of traffic and it's like it's you can tell it's done practically and you can tell it's like these are genuinely like stunt drivers doing stunt driving and like yeah. doing it and it's dangerous and it's there's no cgi in the middle of it and even though like later on they do practical uh stunts but a lot of it just boils down to just smashing cars as like well anyone anyone can smash that, a car. Yeah. The, the trick is not smashing the car <laughs> well exactly that's and what's it's impressive like... <laughs> If you ain't in control, you ain't out of control, you ain't in control, or whatever they say. You know, but... <clears throat> you ain't out of control, you ain't in control, or whatever they say. But basically, yeah, that's again, like I stand by it's got the best driving, it's got the coolest cars, they respect cars. If like a car crashes, they go, Oh no. Exactly. Yeah, they give a shit. Exactly. It, like there are consequences like that. The whole inciting incident once he gets to Tokyo is that. Yeah, Han wages and says, oh, you, go, you can use my car. And then yeah. he fucks it up. And that then puts him in Han's debt for the whole rest of the movie as a consequence to yeah. crashing that car. It's not just, oh, no, you, you, we've wrecked another car. Even in the first movie, there isn't really, like, you know, um, Brian's car gets wrecked in that first um, race with Dom. But then mm. they, ne- they never touch on it ever again. And, like, within about 10 minutes later, he's saving Dom from the cops in that same car. And it seems mm. to have just magically repaired itself. <laughs> Whereas Tokyo Drift, like you're right, it does. There is a bit more of a reality to it. Um, yeah, it's like grounded. There's stakes to it. Like part yeah. of the issue is, is like his mum can't deal with it anymore. So they're just like, just you just got to go and let live with your dad. I can't keep dealing with this. And he's got like this. Un, his dad's not around, so it's about him. Like this one actually seems to be about like finding family within your friends. Yeah, because yeah. he does get this. He gets this sort of like uh, father figure in there in in Han, and then he, yeah, it like seems to be a case of like learning lessons and taking think, that lesson and moving yeah. on. I think we we I, with dancing around it, but we can spoil what happens to Han um, hmm. because it is obviously a massive thing, and and this film did come out a very long time ago. Um, so in the yeah in this uh, sort of middle section of the movie, there is this this dramatic chase um between han and the um sort of the bad guy of the movie um and it ends and that again it sort of speaks to how grounded it is and it can't they it kind of sucks that they then retconned it but like they're chasing him and it's all like high stakes he's like at one point like han drops back to protect um lucas black i keep forgetting lucas black's character's name but he, he drops back that doesn't to matter. Protect, 
yeah, he drops Brat to protect them from getting rammed by the bad guys. And there's all this sort of tactical driving and it's all like, and it's all tense. But then, and then at one point he's getting shot at by the bad guy. He's ducking yeah. down and making sure he's not getting shot. There's a pause in the action and he's just putting his car back into gear. And then he just gets completely taken out by a side, you know, sideswiped by a car hmm. that comes out of nowhere. It's not like, it's not any of the cars that were chasing him. It's just a random car that was on at the intersection. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And yeah. this little sports car goes flying through the air and it's got, you know, nitrous oxide and all the rest of it and it blows up. Yeah. Han is dead. And it's like, shit. And again, it, it's like, this is the consequence of driving really dangerously and street racing in the middle of a city. Yeah. This is what, this is what happens. <laughs> like, shit like this happens. It's a densely populated city and, you know, and uh, with a hell of a lot of traffic. And if you're not fucking paying attention, this is what, this is the consequence. It had nothing to do with what the, the argument was that started the race. No. It had nothing to do with who harm was or anything like that. It was just, this is what happened. Or so we think. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll come uh, back well, to that later. So we shall possibly find out in a mysterious circumstances in Fenine. We'll come back to that later. Um, and then, yeah, so that sort of wraps up, you know, Tokyo Drift wraps up. Um, he beats them like they decide that they're going to settle their differences with a race, which makes no fucking yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, I love like the the the, um, the gangster uh, uncle who's like the the catalyst for oh, everything. The yakuza guy. Yeah, the yakuza we'll try, guy. Try yeah, he's yakuza, but he turns up wearing like a zoot suit. Like he's a yeah. Well, they do. <laughs> that's that's their. Do they? That's what. Yeah, that's like this whole um, like a whole sort of part of yakuza is not fitting into like uh like these so obviously japan is like this very uh it's quite a conservative country quite a button-down country quite a very serious and business studios so one of the uh sort of things about the yakuza is like the tattoos for example because tattoos are frowned upon in japan so they cover their bodies with tattoos and they don't want to look like a guy in a gray or blue or black suit so they wear like bright red silk suits and bright red hats and big, like really flamboyant things to sort of stand out because they are, that's them sort of thumbing their nose or to like Japanese society and like doing it publicly to demonstrate that they're not like not afraid. Okay. Fair enough. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's like similar to like the, uh, like what's called, I think it's called the Bosazuko which is like a, a movement of bikers. And what they do is, uh, so they ride around on really loud motorbikes, which are like really hastily sort of thrown together and they're really gaudy and everything. Again, it's this sort of standing out. Uh, shut up, Siri. Uh, but yeah, it's them sort of standing out. Right. Um which is a similar sort of thing that you find in like this film is like, you see this like individual um, culture, like individualism that they've got there and like looking different and not sort of conforming to sort of the, the regular standards that you would expect in Japanese society. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, yeah. It sort of, it touches upon like a little bit of the, the Japanese culture stuff, uh, but it never mm. really, it doesn't really get into it too much. I think what they, what what they try and get across, I guess, um, when viewed in the context of the of the other movies, is that the car culture. There's a lot of similarities, um, yeah. Because something that they manage to squeeze into every movie, even when 
they completely abandoned the world of street racing. They always managed to find a scene in each movie where they go to some sort of street, some racing meet, and then the establishing shots of it are like just five minutes of arses. Just five yeah. minutes, just just mid-drift, just, just looking at women's arses and just panning across slow motion. Just that's all it is. And it's like, this is that's another one for the drinking game. Like if it's, if if there's a shot that's comprised entirely of ass, take a shot. Like yeah. <laughs> it's but they managed, somehow managed to squeeze in every time, and they, and Tokyo Drift is no exception. That's when it's like it, when it cuts to that first time he turns up at a race meet, and it's just like oh, but this time it's Asian ass. It's it's the same thing, but just in a different context. Just, okay, yeah, all right, different fine. country. And this has... time, and this time in this country we turn. Holy shit! And it's like oh, oh my god! This idea so that is controversial, like, so exotic. But it's like the idea that is like it's cool because it's like you know obviously in America everything's you know cities are constructed in grids, so they are yeah. just straight lines. So obviously everything's going to be drag races. Whereas in Tokyo, if you're trying to do a race, you're in a, in the most densely populated city in the world. You're going to have to at some point. You're going to have to turn. So then it becomes yeah. this thing. And then like even the little things that like, oh, I remember thinking it was silly with the whole when they went up to the mountains and say, This is this is where they first learned to drift. And it's like yeah. some sort of like they're like samurai or whatever. But then you look into it and it's like, oh, no, that's true. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's like, <laughs> okay, all right, I won't take the piss then, because that's that's that is exactly what happened. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's then, really cool. And that's the thing, that's what I like about this one, is that it it has respect for that car community. It doesn't like similar to how like the first one did as well it's like it recognizes that it's it's discussing like it's dealing with this culture like yeah. race wars which we haven't spoken about yet no um, we'll come back to race war <laughs> uh but race wars an alternative title for this for the original film as well um <laughs> was uh almost entirely comprised by racers anyway yeah so car enthusiasts and racing enthusiasts and sort of car modifiers. But again, yeah, this one's like really respectful of that. It doesn't it doesn't make fun of it. And like um, I've forgotten his name now, but uh, the, the actual sort of drift king, so to speak, like the guy that uh, was the best for years and years and years, like the Michael Schumacher, the Fangio, the Lewis Hamilton of it. Um, historically, the best is in this film as one of the fishermen. Oh, really? So when they're learning to drift and the two fishermen are there like, oh, he's not very good. <laughs> that's that's like the original guy. Okay. Which is a cool because it's there again, it's like it's got this feature. It's not throwing Rita Aura or Iggy Azalea in there and being like, see, it's got a celebrity in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, I mean, so the thing with Tokyo Drift is that much as it might be a bit of a cult favorite and a fan favorite, mm. it didn't do particularly well. It's still the lowest ranking yeah. of all the um, all the Fast and Furious movies um, in terms of box office draw. So, and it tested poorly at test screening. So they asked Vin Diesel to come back and do a cameo, mm. um, and reportedly he got paid more for that cameo. Or no, it, he didn't actually get paid for it. I think he he waived his fee in exchange for the rights yeah. to the Riddick franchise. Yeah, he said, I'll, well. I'll do it for free, but but you have to give me the right so that I can make another. Because at that point, I think Chronicles of Riddick had come out a couple of years earlier and obviously just tanked. No one wanted anything to do with it, but he was very passionate about Riddick. So he said, I'll come back and, and cameo in Fast and Furious 3, 
but you've got to give me the rights to um, <laughs> Riddick. So having that ego. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's mad. Um, but yeah, so that's what happens. So we get this little moment at the end where, um, oh, there's some guy here who wants to race. He says harmless family. And that is like, there are a couple of moments where, so we'll talk about, you know, once we get there, how it all ties back in again. But there are a couple of things that are actually quite well done, I will say. Yeah. Like the fact that where, you know, watching it in retrospect now or watching it, like if you were to watch it, because if you to watch everything chronologically, Tokyo Drift comes between six and seven. And if you were to do that, there are obvious things that just don't make any sense. Like the fact that everyone's filming everything on their flip phones, even though it's yeah. in the future. But Phones, that, cars, the shoes. Yeah, but that um, thing that where, yeah, he comes in and says, oh, he used to run the home back in the day. He says home was family. Fits with exactly <laughs> where they're going and exactly everything that has been, been led up to it. And then you go and turn out, it's Dom. He's there. He's, he's going to take on the, the, the main character in a race. And then the film ends and that's it. Yeah. Um, so then they go right. Well, we want to make. The, they decided that he didn't make enough money, but for whatever reason, like they, every time they get hit back for whatever reason, I think you know Universal was just determined to keep making this happen because I think it was like it's it's their franchise that they own and they don't have to split any of the costs with it. Because another little mm. interesting wrinkle that I've, I noticed, and it it pops up twice in the whole franchise, but Tokyo Drift is the first time. Bow Wow's car. Oh yeah. Is the Hulk, yeah, and it's weird because so it's he, he's styled it to look like the Hulk. He's got a load of like Hulk bubble heads in his in his in his um inside the dashboard, and it's like got like handprints on it, and it's got like a yeah. little hair piece, and it's like right because Universal owned the rights to the Hulk, which is part of the reason why it's all tied uh, up. Okay, yeah, and it's part of the reason like it's all tied up, and that's why we haven't had a, a actual Hulk movie since two thousand eight. But they right. like they so they drop it in there, and then again, it's much much later on where uh, there's a point where uh, the Rock is laid up in hospital, and he's watching TV, and it's the Incredible Hulk. Okay. And they, and they show Lou Frigno. I'm like, are they just trying to sort of pepper it because because that's the one Marvel character that they have the license to do anything with? Yeah. So they're just trying to drop it in without because it's like if they were to make a you know try and make a big franchise out of that, then they'd have to pay Marvel something. They'd have to they'd have to everyone would take a piece of the pie, whereas. Fast and Furious is purely theirs. So that's why I feel like they keep like just willing it into existence. And between yeah. them and Vin Diesel, now they're you know that's where they're at. So they pushed on and said, right, we're making four. But if we're going to make four, we can't do it without the original cast. So the whole point of the of four was we're bringing yeah, and I remember the tagline: "New model, original parts." Was the tagline, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was Vin Diesel, Paul Walker. Uh, Jordana uh, Brewster <laughs> and uh, Michelle Rodriguez, the, the four original cast members, are back, yeah. and we're making a new one. Um, but they also brought in Han, um, as you know, and had him appear at the beginning of the movie, sort of running scams with Dom. And the idea being that they then sort of they have this become they they start this whole thing with Han from four onwards, where it's like he keeps just talking about I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. <laughs> and like he keeps he keeps teasing. Maybe this time this time I'm gonna head over to Tokyo and we're all going. No, maybe, Han, maybe, don't... It's, maybe it's time now. Wink. Like, no, Han, don't go to Tokyo. No, no, no don't do it. Don't no, go to don't Tokyo. do it. Oh, you didn't say that, John Cena. Oh no. Oh, the Rock's gonna get in a big fight for you now. No, it's, it's, well, it's... but luckily they they managed to keep bringing him back because like the thing the other thing I did mention with Han actually is that. He is a character from Justin Lin's like first movie. 
yeah i've heard this before is this is this uh, is this like a canonical thing yeah as far, like... as far as justin lynn and son kang are concerned it is canonical and i even watched it i watched better gone gone tomorrow oh really yeah um it's weird it's an interesting little sort of coming of age indie movie um about right. yeah a group of asian teenagers in uh, california who get mixed up in sort of they start dealing drugs and then you know things escalate and things get out of hand but one of those kids is Han. got you and it's played by the same actor and it's very much like you could view it as being this is what Han was doing in high school sort of thing um, it, yeah. and it fit but it does fit it completely fits mm. with like if you was you know again chronologically the next time you saw Han would be in Fast and Furious 4 uh, when he's with Dom and he, they're stealing gas in the Dominican Republic yeah. it's fine <laughs> it, it, it perfectly fits there's nothing there's nothing in it that contradicts anything um, but yeah that's how Fast and Furious 4 opens or one, this is where they start getting stupid with the titles so 4 isn't called Fast and Furious 4 it's called Fast and Furious they just dropped the thes. Yeah. Okay. Which is yeah. Confusing. Don't know why. Don't know why they did it. Are they trying to make some sort of statement about how it's stripped back and back to it's ba- I don't know. Um, I don't know, but also IMDb beat IMDb doesn't really recognize it as Fast and Furious. What do they call it? I don't know. Like I was trying to look it up earlier because I was trying to work out the years that they all came out. And then I ended up just getting really fed up and I was like, oh, I can't be fun. This doesn't, <laughs> doesn't need that much thought. But um, but yeah, four came a lot. Like four was an interesting one. Like four was what, 2007, 2008? 2009. Was it really? Yeah, 2009 I got in, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think the thing with four is, and that's what's weird about it, is that it takes itself too seriously. Like it thinks it's some sort of Michael Mann like crime drama. Yeah. Like it's sort of like because again, the sort of the inciting incident on four is that it's Dom is like out on the run as a result of everything that happened in the original Fast and Furious. We haven't really caught up with Dom or Brian. Well, we have seen Brian, but we haven't seen them in this context since the beginning. So the idea mm. is that Dom's been on the run as a result of everything that went down in the first one, and he can't come back to the US. Um, and then there's an inciting incident which brings him back. And the inciting incident is that Letty, the character played by Michelle Rodriguez, is killed, supposedly. Yeah. Um, and it all kicks off. And then it all, you know, everything transpires that it was Brian put her in undercover to try and take down this drug lord. And in exchange for that, we were gonna Dom was gonna be able to come home. And it's like, and yeah. they get it all gets very intense and very like, oh, you, you betrayed me, you betrayed the family. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> guys, guys, you're taking this way too seriously. Chill out. Like, it's just, yeah. And they get, you know, there's lots of scenes at the FBI and it's all got this, like, sort of washed out colour tone. Like, everything's, like, blue and serious. And it's just, like, it's just, it's weird. It's a weird one. It is a weird one. I think it's one of my favourite ones. Yeah. Out of all of them. Like, I know it takes itself a little bit too seriously. But at the same time, it's yeah, it's it's a little bit more self-aware than the others, and it doesn't think that it's anything above a, what it is. If you know what I mean, yeah, it, um, well, it, it recognizes that it's this like low mid-budget action thriller that's about racing cars, and you're like, okay, like there's some of this that takes itself too seriously, which is. But at the same time, I think 
it has a lot within it. So it recognizes that, like in the first one, for example, you're like, oh, he's a cop, and he's but he's a shit driver, and then he has to learn to become a good driver in three drives that he does. And but then in this, they're like they establish that he's a he's the car guy. They establish that that's the sort of car that he would have. That's how they track down these people, and they're like, he's like, well, that's the car that I would drive, sort of thing. You know, he's he's not this button up FBI guy. He's a bit of a loose unit. And it's like it sort of addresses some of the the issues that aren't really present, that aren't really answered in any of the other ones. Yeah. But yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's fine. It, and it's yeah. and it does what it needs to do. And it sort of it's served as like this sort of soft reboot. Yeah, and it's got this sort of this underlying sort of revenge plot. <laughs> I, that's what I love is like just the 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 writing sort of style of it. Like when you think of the uh, so Dom is going after obviously the, the people who killed Letty, and he finally you know kills the guy by you know punching him with a car, um, as yeah. you do in these movies. And just like he, he has these immortal lines, I just wrote down at the time. He just he kills the guy and then just goes pussy. <laughs> just like, yeah. I like, can't believe that being driven into a hundred miles an hour and being squashed between two cards. I can't believe that killed him. What a pussy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't get it. Or it's just like he somehow, because that's how he, the first time he calls him a pussy is because of like the, the fuel that he uses, like the NOS yeah. or something. And it's like, you can tell that from the tire marks on the road because he's some sort of car whisperer. Savannah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked like, about The thing it. is like, like you can use like nitromethane fuel which yeah. is what they use in this. But it's like, it's race fuel in a car, and it's like, shut no, up. Like, no, you use NOS. fucking NOS. It's NOS, mate. Like, there's different, no, there's nitromethane, there's NOS. Also, that's one of the more stupid things that comes up in one of the later ones. And they're like, you, you're going to use laughing gas? And they're like, huh, this is Cuban NOS. This is you're like, Cuban no, NOS. It's actual NOS. Yeah, that's what that's what NOS is. It's nitrous oxide. <laughs> that is, it's actual NOS. Yeah. It's, it's like, is it? What's wrong with you? Ah, oh, fucking hell! Anyway, it's too many bumps on the head, isn't it, Letitia? Yeah, maybe a few too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, the that's thing with four as well. They don't get too silly with the stunts and stuff. It's not mm, just five. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's actually so it's like, like danger. Yeah. Again, they're, they're car crashes and like dangerous drive. Like they do the whole thing where, like, because a lot of the plot is centered around the tunnels. They have this yeah. whole, there's a system of tunnels to get in and out of Mexico. Um, and it's drug runners using that. And that's what, like, Dom and Brian are trying to infiltrate this drug gang by being their drivers. And, like, again, there's a logic to it that kind of makes sense. And it's like, okay, that, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's fine. Um, but there's nothing too mental until we get to the very final scene. It, it actually, not even that, because it's not until the beginning of five. So they actually do quite a cool handoff between four and five, where at the end of four, um, Dom is brought back to you. Like Brian takes him in um, yeah. and like they're like, you know, he, he still like, I remember throughout the whole thing, there's this tension where it's like, Brian's convinced that the powers that be are going to, you know, if you work with us, then you you get immunity. And Dom's like, right, that's what they told you, is it? When it turns, yeah. when it comes down to it, turns out um, Dom was right to be um, cynical about it because they just, they sentenced him to 25 years. I'm yeah. still trying to figure out what for. 
um, because I feel like Dom's backstory is that he almost beat a guy to death when he was he went younger. to prison for that already. He's already served time for that, and that was like we found the backstory about it. It turns out it was the guy who caused his father to die in a car crash, and it was almost in a way, you know, there was a backstory to it that not justified it, but you could understand it. And then the yeah. next thing was that he was stealing DVD players, which is what the whole first film was predicated on. Yeah. Um, and then he ran away. Um, he did. There was the heist that we saw at the beginning of Four, where he stole gas. But even then, that was in the Dominican Republic, so it's got nothing to do with the US. And also, mm-hmm. he then gave that to the people. He was like some sort of Robin Hood character. He gave the gas away to the people of, yeah. who were struggling to, you know, fuel their cars and stuff. Yeah. Um, so how exactly they sentenced him to 25 years, I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it might be due to the 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 previous like larceny, grand larceny of like all the DVD players and stuff. Yeah, but how many DVD players could you possibly sell? I mean, I'm not, to be fair, some of them were TV DVD combos. <laughs> like in in uh, fairness, I'll hold my hands up to that. I mean, so those those puppies will go for a hundred dollars a pop. Like. <laughs> uh, uh. In, in the region of, yeah. In the region of, in 2001, on the street, these... <laughs> Listen, you didn't, you didn't know what was going down on the street until you had a TV-DVD combo. My God. Um, it's crazy that that's where it started. Um, and then, yeah, so they sentenced him to 25 years, and that's where, and, you know, in the courtroom, you've got Brian and Mia are there, and Brian sat with Mia, he's got his arm around it. Their sort of relationship has rekindled itself since the first one. Um, yeah. And that is where Brian properly breaks bad and decides, fuck this, we're getting Dom out. So the very final shot of the movie um, is Dom is in the prison um, transport bus. And then yeah. Brian and Mia, and I believe it's the Dominican guys turn up, um, racing their cars around really quickly around the um, the bus. And then like it just cuts to black or sort of it, it, he smiles on the bus and it just cuts and that's the end of it. And then the next movie, Fast Five, picks up immediately where they're left off and you see them turn the bus over. So they literally, they cause the bus to crash and the bus flips over on its side um, and does like a thousand twists down the end of the road. And somehow, and then like just the reporters turn up, um, Purd Happily from from Parts of Red turns up and tells us, amazingly, no one was killed. And like, how? How the fuck is anyone alive after that? Look at it. It's mental. There are no seatbelts in that bus. No. It flipped over about 15 times. Everyone's got their own hands tied. Yeah, <laughs> they're, everyone's they're all, chained up. Everyone's chained. Yeah. Not only was no one killed, there was only one person who escaped as a result of it as well. His name <laughs> Dom, Dom, Dominic Toretto. That's it. Everyone else, like, just fine and not hurt. Like, yeah, um, we're all good. We're just going to Mexico. So, yeah, that is, like, one of the first, like, jump-in-the-sharp moments of the whole franchise, I think, is that bit. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we get the whole thing. So the, the Fast Five is where it's about everyone goes on the run. So it's Dom and Mia and Brian go on the run, um, and they're being sort of pursued around the world. So it starts off, they're going down, and it, we, we sort of jump ahead in time a little bit, and we, we're in Brazil. Um, yeah. And Brian and Mia meet up with Vince, who's the guy from way back in the first one. Yeah. Um, so another little great callback, I think. The homophobic. The homophobic uh, douchebag from the first movie, um, and he's back, and he always had a, like a, a chip on his shoulder about Brian. Always didn't like him, and it's like, turns out he was right. He was a cop. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, thanks for yeah. just beating me up in front of my friends. 
horribly abusing me um, just to maintain your cover. Do you feel okay about that, Brian? Yeah. Um, and then we get into this whole plot where they're trying to, you know, make money. So they try and they take on a job and it goes wrong. And then they, they kill some DEA agents and then, you know, everything escalates from there. But that's, again, we get some of the ridiculous stunts start coming out in this one. The first one being when they jump from the train onto yeah, the, that's... St- the stingray and then off the giant bridge that, like, the dis- that would kill you. Of course it would. Yeah, like... that, that was for me. That's like, right, that's the shark being jumped because Corvette, stingray, stingray is a type of shark. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, oh, it's, very good. Yeah, so they've literally jumped the shark yeah okay I'll and you that. that's it and mm-hmm. in my head they both die yeah because and if the rest go- is some sort of uh coma fantasy or live <laughs> fashion before their eyes okay all right that's a fair point like, i think that's that's an interesting um it's an interesting uh, question to ask <laughs> when it comes to this franchise is that where what's your point when you just you stop where, where's your breaking point it's like that thing we talked about before where it's like uh the, the walter white When's he become the villain for you? Everyone's got yeah. different. Everyone's got a different point. It's like when when did Fast and Furious franchise become the villain for you? Yeah, like everyone's got a slightly different point. I think mine might come a little bit later because I've got to say I think from my point of view, I, think I like five, five. Five is great, and five it might be my favorite. Really? Um, yeah. Well, just because because I mean, as the plot goes on, then right as a result of that um, that train heist, we then get someone has to get sent to go and find them. And who do you send to find Dom Toretto and, and Brian? Yeah. You send The yeah. Rock. You send The Rock and The Rock turns up and he's exactly what this franchise needed. He's ridiculous. He has some amazing lines. He looks like an absolute beast and he's the best in five. And that's part of my issue with it. It's like, he's great. And then just consecutively over the course of the, the, uh, the next few movies that he's in and like he culminates in Hobbs and Shaw, they just water him down. Yeah. Like in the in five, he's like an antagonist. He's an absolute hard ass. It's like he has this whole sort of attitude of I don't give a shit what you've done. You, your names came up on my list. I'm just all yeah. I am is a tracker, and I'm like a bloodhound. And this is what I do for a living. I don't care what you've done. I don't care whether you're innocent or you're guilty. You are, and it's like they even took, apparently they originally wrote the part with Tommy Lee Jones in mind. Really, they wanted to give it to Tommy Lee Jones. Clearly, it's sort of predicated on his character from The Fugitive. Yeah. And it's that whole, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yeah. It's that attitude yeah. is what they tried to steal. But then they went, but wait a minute, what if we get the rock? And then it became something else entirely. And it's <laughs> fucking brilliant. Um, Hang just, on, can I also ask, wasn't Denzel supposed to be in this? Denzel was potentially going to be, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Mr. Nobody. No, he was going to be, well, he was either going to be Mr. Nobody or so, uh, potentially he was going to be um, Jason Statham's character. Really? Yeah. So I think there's there's speculation about which one of those roles he was offered, but he could have been either one of them. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, but mate, we could go on. We could do a whole podcast about the, the alternative casting. I mean, we almost had, um, who was it? It was uh, Timothy Oliphant they wanted for, to play uh, Dom Toretto um, yeah. way back in the day. Um, who else did they have? They had some, yeah, some crazy um, people who read in for things. I think Natalie Portman almost was Mia. Yeah, I saw that. Like, I saw Jessica, Jessica Alba and Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else they had in mind for um for, for Paul Walker's part now. Um, but anyway, um, 
Yeah, The Rock. Yeah. The, Ro- the Rock turns up and he's an absolute, like, he just has these ridiculous lines and he just, you know, put your thunderwear on people, it's time to go to work. It's like, let's go hunt. <laughs> it's always ridiculous yeah. shit that he says. Um, and it's just, it, he, I think what, what I love about The Rock turning up is uh, he completely gets what it is that he's in and takes, and so yes. there's a nod and a wink and a tongue in cheekness to him that the others don't have. Everyone else is very, very po-faced, particularly Vin Diesel. Like he doesn't yeah. see anything funny about what he's doing, whereas The Rock is completely on board. And that's part of why, obviously, famously, there is a rivalry between those two and, and a feud that go that has gone on between the two of them. And I think that's probably what it stems down to is the fact that Vin takes this really, really seriously and The Rock doesn't. He just knows this yeah. is this is a fun action movie. And yeah, then, but and- he takes the work seriously because that's one of the things they found out about, which we'll get to in another film. But yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there's like so Elsa Pataki's in this one as well. Yeah. And she's and she's like the replacement love rival. Like the no, not love rival. She's a replacement love interest for Michelle Rodriguez. Hang on, who's who's this you're talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she is. She is right. Because yeah. they try that was that's what's interesting with the whole love interest thing with Dom is that in the fourth one, they try and do something with Gal Gadot. That's why Gal Gadot gets introduced in four. And like there's this whole, and that's that, again, we could go on about the stupid lines, but one of the best lines in four is where she goes, Are you one of the one of these boys who prefers cars to girls? And he goes, I appreciate a good model, regardless of the make or something. A, a, a fine yeah. body. I was it, I appreciate a fine body regardless of the make, as he's looking her up and down. <laughs> that's 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 the vernacular of a man that's at least once in his life fucked a car. <laughs> Um, and he's um, just trying not to admit it. He's just this is maybe I do, maybe I don't. Yeah, you know you do. You 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 fuck your car. No, like maybe I do. No, we we all know you you do. You fuck your car. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they got so they bring in um. So they had Gail though in the fourth one, and then like you say, in the fifth one, they bring in um Elsa, uh, Elena, um, who is yeah. the the Brazilian cop, and like it's um <laughs> yeah the rock purposely recruits her to be his translator um and he goes yeah, because i like her smile and it's like <laughs> it's like he's taking the piss and then it, as it turns out they actually have quite a good reason for it it's like the reason she became a cop is because her husband was killed as a cop and therefore he's like i feel like you must be one of the only people in um rio who can't be bribed because you're doing it for the right reasons and that's why yeah. i want you to be my translator i'm like okay that makes sense that's quite a cool little backstory like there are little things in five that i really like um, yeah, like five has the bones to sort of hmm. had the bones to sort of work in that appropriate way. Yeah, and um, be like, right, it's self-aware, it's silly, it understands it, but at the same time, it doesn't. It doesn't make fun of itself, but it no. just recognizes when there are things to be said. Yeah, um, and then just and then the main plot of it, obviously, once once they've you know, establish this cat and mouse going on between uh, the Rock's character and the crew. They then have this whole thing where they recruit a crew in. They they hatch this scheme whereby they found out where the local drug lord who like runs all of Rio keeps all his money, <laughs> and he's yeah. got this giant pile of money that he keeps in a police station. And they go right. Well, now it's Ocean's Eleven, but with cars. I'm like sick. And then they go literally go around the entire franchise and go. Right, who's ever been in a Fast and Furious movie before? <laughs> we're going to get Tyrese back. We're going to get Ludacris yeah. back. And it's like the first time we've seen them since Too Fast, Too Furious. We're going to get uh, Han's coming back. It's like, Han, everyone loves Han. Giselle. And then they get Han and Giselle like, get together. That's the whole thing in this movie. Yeah. 
and so they, they put together a crew and then start like planning their heist and it's, it's so Ocean's Eleven like they even get like a fake um, uh, what's it they get a fake uh, vault to practice on in exactly the yeah. same way that the crew in and Ocean's Eleven did and like, I just I love it. It's like because it just it feels like this culmination. It feels like a celebration of everything that's come before. It's like right, this is the the end. Because yeah. the idea is that they go right. We're we're constantly being hunted. We're going to have people like Hobbs on us all our lives. But we now know where this money is. If we can steal this money, it's a hundred million dollars, and then we can disappear and we never have to look over our shoulders ever again. We can retire. So it feels like yeah. it's like right. In order to do that, we're going to need to bring in everybody from we're going to need all the hands on deck. So they do. And it's like, right, this feels like the natural like crescendo. This is like the end game for this franchise. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And then like, I, lo- I also just love the, the stupidness of the fact that they spend a good half hour of the runtime like planning this heist and like doing these things like where they're trying to figure out how they can run this course and do it so they don't get caught by the cameras. So they're yeah. fast enough to get around through all the cameras. And then there's a shootout with the bad guys. And then they completely abandon that idea and then just drag it out and just use it as a fucking wrecking ball. <laughs> all, all the careful planning and everything they did. Like, no, fuck all that. We're just going to attach a cable to it and drive it through fucking Rio and smash cop cars with this giant bolt that's attached to the back of our cars and use it like a wrecking ball to ki- cause like millions of... <laughs> millions of dollars worth of property damage and killed god knows how many cops <laughs> all the subsidies out the window we're not really like it's just so everything like they had the whole scene where roman goes in and pretends to be a cop like doesn't matter anymore all the no. scenes where they're practicing with the cars none of that matters like yeah. none of all of that completely out the window <laughs> and that's the thing because like when you watch these sort of heist films that's what you sort of buy into you buy into the intelligence and the planning and what they do with this is they go Right, we're going to plan this. We're going to work this out. Like, Ludacris is going to learn how to do this. And it's like, also, yeah, this, but like, like, they somehow justify like the fact that Ludacris has got all this like knowledge all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, so, so Ludacris, somehow, like, when we first, the only time we've ever seen Ludacris was in Too Fast, Too Furious, and he was just a race organizer. Doesn't even drive cars anymore because he had a crash. He doesn't like it. He organizes races and then he, he collects a nice little skim off the top, makes a good living off of it. Has different hair in every scene. He's great. It's Ludacris. <laughs> comes into the it comes into five and suddenly suddenly he's a fucking safe cracking like tech genius who can hack into any yeah. system that's ever been great and it's like and his only explanation for it is i had life before i knew you guys you know that's it that's all we ever get and it's like, yeah that's where the, the the upskilling of the crew to become super spies starts there and it just escalates as it, as it goes on <laughs> Also, the fact that you just used the term upskilling really, uh, yeah. really adds credence to this whole thing for me. Yeah, that is what it is. They just, they, they between films, they just become, by the time we get to eight, they're all fucking Jason Bourne. They're all just like, yeah. But they start, they're meant to be street racers. You could, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, now, do you know to- what, like, and this is, this is me being a bit like, uh, I don't know. Like, there's a point in this film in five, when Vin Diesel says, we need a chameleon. We need yeah. someone that can blend in anywhere. And they get Han. So, yeah, we're, we're in Brazil. Uh, so they get a Korean guy. <laughs> yeah, true. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, I think what it is, is like, there's something about Han that he's just like, yeah, he just, he's so 
ridiculously laid back that he wouldn't. It's just like the anyway. effortless cool. Yeah, he's so effortless. Yeah, exactly. He's so just effortless. Like he, he wasn't. He wouldn't. Even though you're right, like there is, like there is that element to it. He just he wouldn't look out of place anywhere. I completely mm. get what he means. If there was just a Han leaning up against a bar somewhere, like chewing on, like and eating, and they, crisps. eating crisps, and that's another thing, like a little a character detail is that if you watch Better Gone Tomorrow, he is a chain smoker. He's literally in every single scene, uh, okay. every single scene in that movie, he's he's smoking, and then that's something that Giselle yeah. brings up is that the reason you're constantly eating is because you used to like you used to do twenty a day, didn't you? He's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, oh. Um. And then she made the do the gratuitous bikini scene, um, which they, which they obviously oh, yeah. there's a few of them dotted throughout the franchise, but that was the one of the most one of the, the most um, one of the worst because the they're worst. like we've got this very capable like former military, uh, yeah, tough. Thing, she can like, ride bikes, she can drive cars, but what her main thing is, she's got a woman's body. Uh, it's just, uh, you're forgetting the one thing. He's a man. Like, yeah, and she yeah. uses her uh, feminine wiles to disarm people. Oh, that's the whole thing. Feminine wiles and just goes up and sits on his lap. You know, <laughs> wow, that was that's an extraordinarily well written scene. Very, very uh, proud of you. Well done. Um, yeah, and then so that is the, the main thing. That's when, and again, that's the, the biggest, most ridiculous thing up to that point is that whole final sequence where. They just start smashing cars, and I just one of the things is it's, it's the beginning of the downfall of Hobbs as a character for me as well. Is that is the fact that they um, there's an attack on his team, and they like kill everyone on his team apart from him, and then as yeah. a result of that, he goes, "All right, I'm with you, Trail. I'll help you do this one thing." It's like, "Whoa, yeah. you're meant to be like a by the book lawman who will not let anyone go," and then you just on a dime flip, and then we'll help them steal a hundred million dollars. And not only that, from a police station, and you're there with your other cop friend shooting at cops. <laughs> like, that's a very quick turn. And it's just like, that's yeah, a very dramatic shift. And then is. he's like, I'm going to give you 24 hours. I'm going to give you 24 hours. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I, yeah. Are you? You're going down to right over. You're not, not good at your job. I just love that. Yeah, the fight that they have in this one as well. You're, you're always down. getting beaten up. No, it's not that he's always getting beaten up. Is that they the fight like the fight they have in in this one as well is between Vin Diesel and The Rock is like that's one of those contractually obliged things where apparently there's something in the the Fast and Furious actors have something in their contracts where they're not allowed to get hit more than the other guy. Yeah, they ha- they I ha- think that's The Rock's one, isn't it? Because it's the same thing that uh, it happens in the next one with Stath as well, yeah. doesn't it? Like he has to have a good reason. Like he goes, "Oh no, it's all right. He didn't lose. He was he was protecting. He was saving a woman. That's cool. He's hard. Everyone, yeah. everyone, don't worry. He's hard. He's he's fucking hard now. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, he's the toughest man in the world. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, we yeah we get the giant um, action sequence, and it's like that. Like you say, it's stretching the bounds of believability, but it's just the right side of it for me. It's just the the right. um, I'm talking about the. Um, the safe scene um yeah it's mental it's fucking ridiculous but it's just with it like there's you're bending the laws of physics but not so much that they're broken yeah they're just being bent yeah do you know what i mean they're, they're, you're straining them but no one's flying <laughs> yet no do you know what I mean? no one's flying yes. yet no no one's we don't, haven't got you know 38 mile runways 
we we haven't got people. We had we haven't thirty got any... mile. It's I, I looked it up and yeah. I think it was Vulture that figured, worked figured out, it out that it's yeah. thirty miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there's none of that shit. There's no like. Oh yeah. That yeah. None of that is happening yet. It's just dragging a massive bit of metal through the streets, and you've got two cars to do it because one car wouldn't be enough. Okay. Yeah. You, you factored that in. Fine. All right. But anything more than that, and you'll be fucking silly. But sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, they've got this thing where they have to keep topping themselves. And Fast Five made a shitload of money, and everyone loved it. So we get into Fast Six, um, but not before like they set it up as well, because there is a post-credit scene in Fast Five. Yeah, where they bring back Eva Mendes, which is really and, weird, and <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez, and Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, so they they literally who, who famously said. I didn't realise I was coming back until I saw that scene in the cinema. Exactly, yeah, which is fucking crazy. Also, like, at that point, uh, 2009, had people been trained? uh, No, actually, no, it would have been later than that, would have been 2011. But, like, were people into the whole post-credit scene idea enough to be waiting around in the cinema for a post-credit scene on Fast and Furious 5? I don't know. Um, But anyway, I feel like she must have been told to wait. I don't know. Um. But yeah, so we get this this shocking moment where it's, yeah, it's uh, The Rock in his office. Um, he's sweating because he's doing paperwork. Um, yeah. And he's just glistening with baby oil. Um, and Eva, Eva Mendez walks in and says, um, yeah, there, there's been a you know a cruise taking down something. Is it, is it Toretto? No, I don't want to know. So it still implies that he's like on Toretto's arse and he's going to try and... Um, sorry, no, we, we've, we skipped a bit. So yeah, they, they steal the money. Um, and then they get the, there's this great montage at the end before the, it cuts to the credits where it just goes around all the crew and they've all got their money and they've all like living their best lives. Like Tej, uh, Tej opens his um, garage and he's like just doing honest, like, honest Tej's. Yeah, he just he just says that he want yeah I always wanted to open a de- garage and Rome sort of questions that it's like why would you want that like, I love what I do I love working on cars so that's what I'm going to do with my money great Roman's got a ridiculous like yeah souped up. Um, Sports car, Ted just got the same one. He cuts to like Han and um, Giselle like going down the autobahn in um in Germany. And she goes, What about Tokyo? He goes, We'll get there eventually. And like, yeah, Brian and Mia are retiring somewhere because the whole thing with it was uh, Mia's pregnant, which is sort of the impetus for the whole wanting to retire thing. Um, and it's like, yeah. and, and they and Dom, um, the what's the name, the the cop Elena turns up to get to hook up with Dom. And it's like, and they all lived happily ever after. It's like, it's done. Yeah. It's done. That's the end. That is the perfect ending for the series. And then if you wanted to spin it off, they got, you've just introduced Hobbs as a character. And, and not only that, you've introduced him. He had a whole team of guys and then you killed him off. You do a new movie. That's a spin off. Hobbs going around recruiting his new team. You can have whoever you want in it. Yeah. You've got a license to just get any movie star in the world you want to work with. You can just write a, a part for them and have Hobbs create a new team of hunters. And it was, it's like the future is like that um, US Marshals spin-off of the fugitive. Yeah. Where it is just, he was a breakout character. Let's make a whole movie about it. And we'd be on Hobbs three by now. And we'd be loving it. That's what they should have done. Yeah, That's what they should have done. That's what they should have. Yeah. But they didn't. Because then post-credits, Eva Mendes <laughs> walks in from Too Fast Too Furious. It doesn't make any fucking sense because she was a cop in Miami. And hasn't been seen since. Yeah, turns up and says, "There's another another crew out there." And do you believe in ghosts? Because there's a picture of Lay. <laughs> yeah. 
<gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh my god! And then we get into six. So, Fast and Furious six is yeah the one that's the one where everything jumps the shark for me and it becomes fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, because six is the one where it's about uh, Owen Shaw, played by Luke, Luke Evans. Evans. Um, and he's got a crew that includes Letty that are the greatest crew in the world, um, whatever the fuck that means, <laughs> <laughs> who um, like can steal things like no one else can. And Hobbs goes decides that the best thing to do in order to take them down is to recruit Dom and his crew to match them and go after them. Yeah. And that is the point when it breaks all believability for me. And that's it. Once once they start recruiting them to go on missions and they start insinuating the idea that the Dom Toretto's crew is better than the combined might of the US and NATO military. Yeah. That's when I I check out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't blame you. Like, it was... It, it's yeah. like it's it just like none of it just doesn't it's just yeah exactly at this point it was all entirely forced and nobody other than Vin Diesel really looked like they gave a shit no no and no. everyone's sort of it kind of yeah it's sort of that's therein lies the sort of the problem that I have with this stuff because it feels like either either making fun of somebody that isn't in on the joke or it's the death of cinema because it's just idiots shouting and things blowing up, like which we've always had, but it does it in like a humorless way. It doesn't in a way where it doesn't feel that fun. It just feels a bit spiteful in places. If you know, like, I, don't know, I, like kind of... I, I say that like as much as it's like, I'm kind of, I'm out. I'm not, I think it's what I mean is I'm not taking them seriously as like films anymore at this point. I like, I think, mm. Six is when they become comedies to me, and then that's what I yeah, always say. Like six, seven, and eight are some of the best comedies we've used over the last few years uh, because they just because they take themselves seriously and they're fucking ridiculous. And so, just some of the laugh out loud moments, like in six, we get things like like the first image that springs to their head is the point when they're having the fight on the plane at the end, and Dom just like does a, a diving flying headbutt, headbutt. And just smacks the guy in the face. And it's so fucking funny. <laughs> And it's just... <laughs> it just doesn't make any fucking sense. It's... And that's what I mean. Like, it's just... it, it, it. After that, I just... I think I tired of it. I think I got to five and I was like, okay, cool, that's it. And then they just went, we're making another one. You're like, no, don't. Like, you don't need to. Yeah. Like, you don't need to make another one, realistically. Like, just chill. Like, don't flog this for every fucking tiny thing that it's worth um oh but you're gonna okay right and yeah. it just it, it it feels like this just flagrant cash grab that vin diesel's taken really seriously and then i feel guilty that i'm like laughing at vin diesel because he's trying but then you're like oh actually you find out that he's got this fucking horrible ego and that he genuinely thinks that what was it you said that he thinks it's the Definition of oh yeah, he he thought that his and Paul Walker's relationship um, defined brotherhood in the twenty first century, right? 
Um, and I, I, I hesitate to say anything about that in particular because obviously there is a lot of emotion surrounding Paul Walker and obviously he's passed no, of course, and all like, rest of it. But, but that's, that's what I mean, is it? Like it, a lot of this stuff feels, I don't know whether this is like a spiteful, like it just feels a bit cynical. It feels like it's, because I know yeah. that Paul Walker was really committed to these and like had a great deal of fun because it was, you know, it was his main thing. That's what he was known for. Like no one's going to remember him that much from being in She's All That because he was like this teen star that was like a bit of a nobody. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, on posters on teenage girls' walls across the world. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. And, and I genuinely like, you know, with all the, there's a lot of piss taking about the whole family stuff that they sort of they start laboring on particularly at this point in the franchise once it gets to six that's when it's like mm. family, family, and they start bringing it and then it becomes like everyone comes back it's like there was a reason like the everyone coming back for five kind of made sense because it was like there was a specific job and they wanted all hands on deck to get this particular yeah. it was the biggest thing they've ever had to do whereas from six onwards it's just a case of if you were in the last movie you're in the team and you're in the family and you're part of the group yeah. and it's like well okay like I can see what like you know Giselle was the perfect examples. Like you just met her and she was working for a drug lord two movies ago, and I can see why she was useful to you in Rio yeah. because she's connected. But why the fuck are you bringing her in on this? It's like and, and they're all there. Oh well, it's Letty. It's like, oh, Letty's a Letty's part of the family. I'm like, whoa, 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 Tyrese. Yeah. Do you know Letty? Have you ever met Letty? No. Right. Letty's so you, part of the family no, who no, no, no. hasn't had a conversation with Paul Walker until no. the end of that film. No, but yeah, Paul Walker, that's one thing. But then, I mean, Paul Walker is the only one she does have any connection with. All the others, like Ludacris and um, fucking uh, Roman, have no idea who she is. And there they're going, so you want me to come out of retirement, go and fight a bunch of crazy... Um, but I think what, what they try and um, say is that you get pardoned, isn't it? That's what, that was the thing. Is that yeah. he said, right, you get pardons and you can all go back to the US. And that's the whole thing they're like, Dom. So they, they go through the whole fucking thing. Owen Shaw, they get uh, Gina Carano is in this one as well. And then, so yeah. there's someone for Letty to have a fight with. Um, they do some action sequences in London. They have the, the tank sequence, the infamous tank sequence. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. They take... the, it's gone from Mission Impossible to Mission in Freaking Sanity. No, 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 that's five. He says, is that. that five? Yeah, that's when he says that when, when they realize that they're not just when they're putting all the money in the police station. That's when Roman goes, Oh, right. this just went from mission impossible to mission insanity. This one's like, this one's just ludicrous standing on a bridge with a, with a walkie talkie. Guys, they got a tank. <laughs> I'm sorry, did someone just say a tank? It's like, we do what we do best, all right? We improvise. And they just drive around it for a bit. I was like, What the fuck are you talking about? He's in a tank. And blow you up. <laughs> but also, what was the point of that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, that's I one like, thing that sort of caught me off guard because I was like, hang on, why are they getting the tank? Nothing about it. Like, because that's the other thing they do throughout the whole the later films as well, is that they, they will contrive any scenario where they, there's a convoy to be attacked. Mm. There has to be some sort of moving convoy because if there's not a moving convoy, then they can't be driving cars. If they can't do car. Yeah, if anything's in a secure location, just settled then that's it. And it's like the whole premise of that, uh, that battle with the tank is that there's a particular, you know, MacGuffin that the guy's after has been moved from one secure location to another. And he's going to try and get it whilst they're transporting it. And it's like, it's all of the, like the NATO forces are surrounding it. It's like, would they <laughs> yeah. not have like, I don't know, air support, maybe a helicopter flying support. 
because that would have ended this immediately. Like that, mm-hmm. that would that would end end the story if it's that important. Just maybe they also have a plane. Yeah, or or I don't know, or yeah, just like yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Again, again, it's that it's predicated on the premise that everyone, no, no military in the world is up to the task of what Dom Toretto and his crew can do. No one can do what they can do. Exactly, and they all become make- like martial artists, super spy. Yeah ace shots and that's when yeah and that's the sequence where dom flies so he he points his car at one side of the bridge jumps off it midair catches letty midair does a roll and then they land on the car yeah and it's like it's a scene but landing on a car is is a soft landing yeah but that's what i like is later on she asked how did you know there was going to be a car there to break our fall so first of all cars aren't for breaking falls no that's not what they're for um, that, but to be fair, that's not something unique to Fast and Furious. A lot of movies do that. They seem to think that if you fall out of a building and you hit a car, and the car crumples, that you'll go, and then you'll be all right. Yeah, but that, that's just a Hollywood. It's not thing. how it works. No, cars are hard. <laughs> they're made out of metal and glass. They're not something that you can. Yeah, not, they're not spongy. <laughs> they're designed to not bend and break. So yeah. if you something spongy and squishy and it's got a little bit of hard stuff in you hits that your fleshy pouch that you exist in is going to pop true (laughs) um so yeah that's the first bit and then we get the again the infamous 30 mile runway sequence um (laughs) where it just goes on and on and on this the biggest plane in the world boringly Um, long as well because there's too many people like if that was a if they'd have reduced that to one car chasing it yeah and one person on the plane that would have been a much more tense scene yeah because they but the they, fact that you're like right we've got tyrese who's just a wailing idiot at this point yeah we've got ludicrous who's just just there for tyrese to bounce off of and to say something flippant yeah and then han who's there to not really do anything at this point right now giselle Again, the same. Like they're not really there. To no, Giselle's actually... there. To, Giselle's there to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Giselle's there to die to give reason because, to Han to then, not be the next one. But the thing, what annoys me about the whole predication of that last sequence is that the point of it is that like everything's wrapped up and done. They they caught Shaw after the tank sequence is all over, and then it turns out he sent some of his goons, and they've got Mia. Yeah. So they've got Mia. First of all, for some reason, they bring her with them. So she's there, inexplicably, and then the whole point of the whole sequence is just to save Mia. They do they achieve yeah. that about halfway through it, and like Brian gets her in the car and it's over, and then he drives back into danger to go and just continue this like the action sequence. Like, no, you've got her. She she's the mother of your child. Stop, stop it. It's over. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. And then they keep going, and then also just the whole end of the sequence is okay. So to save Brian's girlfriend, we have to sacrifice Han's girlfriend. Yes. Is that a fair trade? Well, no, you don't understand, Han, but the thing is, we don't give a shit about your girlfriend because she's not one of the main characters. You're like a, a side character. And you I'm, weren't I'm, in the first one. And I'm Brian O'Connor. So my my girlfriend is more important than your girlfriend. Also, she's Dom's sister. So, sorry, she just has a lot more value. Also, Gal Gadot can't be in these anymore <laughs> because now she's Wonder Woman. So, sucks to be you, bro. Sorry. Uh, you better... Off you go to Tokyo. Go on. Off to die now. <laughs> Off to die now. Yeah, it's like, 
yeah fuck you um and just yeah. stupid shit i think the, the stupidest bit about all of it is the bit where like it's all over and everyone's worried that it's, you know uh, dom's gonna die and then he somehow manages to drive his car through the nose of the plane yeah <laughs> how how is that even possible but i just like so yeah i mean <laughs> physics physics aside no but i i, I love it I, I laugh at it at this point that's that's another one of those moments where i'm just pissing myself in the cinema because i just think it's yeah brilliant it's just so stupid and that's the problem is I just don't feel like I'm in on the joke anymore. And I'm just like, and when you're not, when you're in that position, it's not funny anymore. Cause you're just like, I think it's, you know, it sort of reminds me of, you know, when you said about uh, like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And you said this, like, it feels like someone saying this film's stupid and you're stupid for liking it. Yeah. I think that's where I am with all of these. Okay. Like, I, I think I'm at that point where it's like it feels like everybody involved in it uh like there are a couple of people who are involved in it who are aware and there are a couple of people in who are involved in it who are taking this really really seriously and i feel a bit sorry for them but also at the same time i, I don't get it. like it's yeah i don't know it feels like a joke that i'm not part of and I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not really enjoying this. I'm not really having a lot of fun here. Like, there's stuff to enjoy in there, like the car scenes and like cars and stuff. But then when you th- you're like, oh, this is really cool, and you're like, oh no, they're just going to smash 230 cars in this film. Yeah. So yeah, no one in these, no one in these films gives a single fuck about cars because they've just smashed up 230. Of, they've got classic cars from the 60s. That they're just driving into things and they're like, oh, just smash another fucking challenger that just has another one of them out of the world. Yeah. And it's it's it feels like it's spitting in the face of like car culture for the sake of an action shot. Yeah, I get what you mean. I like obviously I'm not I doesn't have the same affinity to the cars that you do. I get that. Um, but I can only hope that a lot of those ones that are getting smashed up are like stunt cars, they're just empty shells that they they made for the purpose of blowing up. Um but like I don't know, yeah, I, I know what you mean by like the fact that there are people who take it seriously and you know, not yeah. only on screen, but also people in the audience, people who think these are great and that there's their favorite franchise and they go out of it. It's like the only thing they go and see at cinema is Fast and Furious. I find hilarious. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. I just find I find it really funny. I find the fact that people are like are like so dead, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. And I'm just like are you for real? Like, do you like, really? Yeah. Like, come on! Like, I, I find it so. I do. I, I remember when we when we watched eight. I was just laughing all the way through it at nothing, and nothing. None of it was intended to be funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? At, at no point I wasn't laughing at the jokes uh, in inverted commas. I was laughing at their serious attempt to make serious shit happen, or just how ludicrous some of the you know some of the stuff they get into by the time we yeah. get to eight. Um, but before we get to eight, seven. Yeah. So so seven is the <laughs> intro of Natalie Manuel, isn't it? Yes, seven is the intro of Natalie Manuel. But the main driving force of seven is uh, Jason Statham. So we get the we get post credit scene in six where they go back to Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And they do the retcon. So we find out that the car that killed car killed Han way back in Tokyo Drift that we all thought yeah. was just random and didn't have anything to do with anything. It was just a consequence. Turns out it was being driven by Jason Statham. 
And Jason Statham is the brother of Shaw, Owen Shaw, the guy who they've just um, beaten in the last movie, uh, the bad guy from Six. And now he's coming for revenge. So it wasn't random. It wasn't a consequence of doing street racing. It was targeted. And it was Owen Shaw, it was um, Deckard Shaw coming for revenge. And he's targeted. Yeah. And he's, he's murdered Han. Um, and genuinely, I think he's quite good. Like, I, know it, I know it's a stupid like retcon. But it kind of it gives everything a bit more weight, and it, and then I mean as a way of introducing a bad guy as well to go, oh, you know Han, and you you you've all had this like impending doom about Han going to Tokyo, and then it, yeah, that's where we're left at the end of six is that right? I'm off to Tokyo now. I'm heartbroken because Giselle's gone, and then not only do we know that he dies, we now know that there's someone we can blame for that, and here he is. And it's like yes, what a yeah. great villain, what a great villain. What a, perfect, what a perfect setup for a villain. And then, again, they do exactly the same fucking thing they do with The Rock, and they just water him down over the course of three movies until he's a fucking twat in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, yeah. But to begin with, in Seven, he's a really great villain. Like, yeah, you have that scene with Han, um, and then, um, and then yeah, and then he, he sends a bomb to Dom's house and blows it up. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing. Like, when you get to the end of Six... Um, the rocks is name your price Twero. And he named, he just gives the number of his house, 1627 yeah. or whatever. I like the idea that there was a family living there and they just got told to move out. Because <laughs> <laughs> presumably someone else lived in that house. He's been gone for a long time. Like, yeah. Presumably since the first movie, they haven't lived in that house. Do you know what I mean? So now his <laughs> but he's very specific. Like, I can't just move back to LA. I have to move into that specific house. That was the house that me and my sister had Ten years ago, I was like, "Well, obviously, there's other people living there now, Dom. I don't care. I need it." I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll have to move them out there. Um, so Hobbs, Hobbs, so, ba- sorry, off your pop. And then just yeah, so we end up with it with a barbecue at the end of six, which becomes the running theme that they all end with a family barbecue. Um, yeah. But we're back in the main house, and then not two minutes later, at the beginning of seven, Shaw blows that house up. Um, so yeah, and then we then we get into seven, and seven is another one where like it's just fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Again, it starts off with a quite a good premise, like the first sort of twenty minutes where they're setting up shore, and like they get Don goes to Tokyo, and you get the tie-in with Tokyo Drift, and they actually replay some of the scenes from Tokyo Drift. Um, yeah, we get Lucas we're, Black we're with Lucas Black at forty-eight years old. Yeah, but then he like he ages, like because obviously they have a shot from Tokyo Drift, and then immediately cut to a new scene filmed for this, and it's clear that in the space of twenty seconds, he's <laughs> aged thirty years. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, <laughs> and it's one of those things where you just you want you're not willing it to work. Yeah. And then it just falls flat on its face. Well, it kind of, I mean, it kind of worked. If it wasn't for the fact that there, there was that, it kind of works. Like, it's just a case of him. Well, it does work like, for that, but the fact that, like, yeah. But in that time, both Vin and Lucas have significantly aged. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no getting around that. But, you know, in terms of the context of, like, Bow Wow coming up to him and saying, look, there's someone here who wants to race you. <laughs> yeah. He says he knew Han. And it's like, right, yeah. Han, Han being the reason that Dom's there. It's like... Fuck, that actually works. That actually works. Like, I can't believe they actually found that. That's what's like, yeah, because a lot of this stuff, like the way that they retcon things, kind of works. Yeah. Because it's such a loose, uh, like the way that these films are sort of loosely written and loosely made. And that's not me saying they're badly written and badly made because they're, they're very well made. But, um, 
the way that they're so loosely written allows you to be able to have this sort of fluidity of like a retcon in there yeah and have it sort of work but even like being able to have like this network of people around the world where they're like oh well we need someone that can do this let's get lucas black in and then we need someone to do this let's get this in and like yeah yeah, uh, it even would like, have made sense, like, especially in five, like, I know there were, like, filming conflicts or whatever with getting Lucas Black in to be like, oh, actually, we're not going to be able to find someone that can do this. Can we get? And then you're like, oh, actually, you can't, because that's now this. So, yeah. And, like, the, the timelines don't add up. No, but, like, even, like, there are little, like I say, that they're vague enough. Like, what's good with, like, even Han, when you go back and, like, view it in the right order, like, Han talks about, you know, Oh, I've got you know. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about money. That's not a problem for me. And that's because yeah. like you know, retroactively, that's because he was part of that hundred million dollar heist back in the you know in Rio, and therefore he's set for life. He's sorted. But he's got this very like laid back and like, oh, and then you know when we get but wrap right back round to seven, Lucas Black's like, oh, you know, Han said he left his enemies in his rear view, but he never really talked about it. It's like yeah, yeah, that adds up. That adds up with the character that we saw in Tokyo Drift. In that he's this sort of yeah he, he's a bit womanizer he's a bit he, but he's he's kind of detached and distant but he doesn't seem to have any concerns for anything and that adds up with everything that we've seen in those other movies like but by making it vague they've allowed themselves to they've given themselves a backdoor to make it work yeah um, there are yeah I'll be interested to see sort of wait what was this this is seven. It's seven. So seven, yeah, seven is the one. And then the thing, like I say, the thing with seven, it all works up until the point when they have Han's funeral. They do Han's yeah. funeral, and then there's a chase between Dom and Jason Statham, who's there for some reason. And oh. he's, there, he's there for revenge, and he's got all his targets in one place. Why he doesn't kill them all, I don't know. But they have a race, and then it ends with them just slamming their cars headfirst into each other. Yeah. Um. And that apparently is just the done thing. And like then Dom criticizes him for having a reinforced chassis because that's like having weighted gloves as a boxer. Well, what the thing? <laughs> I mean, that's how chassis work. They're supposed to do that. Yeah, but you're not supposed to like the cars. Like, he's, he says it like driving your cars into each other for head first is something that you do. That is a normal yeah. thing. Yeah, well, do yeah, that. it's what car guys do. That's yeah, they spend their whole do. lives like working on these cars. Just they really take them. care of them. Yeah. They really look after them. But it's like from that point onwards in seven, that's where it all just goes to shit. And it's like, because then you get that moment. Where, and then fucking Mr. Nobody turns yeah, up. Like Mr. CIA no- agents drop out yeah, the sky. Exactly. CIA agents turn up. They scare off the guy who they're trying to go after. And then the plot is the stupidest, I think, honestly, of all of them. I think even more so than eight. The plot in seven is just the stupidest thing because the idea Wait, the of the nuclear football more than the nuclear football. No, yeah, more than that. Genuinely, I do think it's stupider because the, the idea of it is that it's they're trying to get hold of God's eye, which will allow them <laughs> to, which is this you know facial recognition software, whatever that will allow them to find Shaw wherever he is. Now, this despite the fact that everywhere they go, he turns up. Not just that. Yeah. Everywhere they go, he turns up late. Yeah. So they can set a trap for him. They can literally, they can go anywhere in the world, set a trap for him with the seven of them that there are at this point, or however many, and just kill him. Mm-hmm. 
with the full force of the CIA behind them. Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand, like, yeah, and it's just, they sort of just wave away points like that. It's just like, why don't I let him come to me? Because, oh, how, how's that working out for you? And then that's it. Yeah. That's, the, that's the, all the explanation you get. And, the, and then they go, right, well, from this to there's a hacker we need to get. The CIA, we're not equipped to do it. There's no way we could possibly do it. We need to bring in you and your crew. You're the only ones who can do it. What? Yeah. And we're going to do that by dropping the cars out of the plane which is the next ridiculous sequence. And it all just, again, it's just, it's so far, it's the stupidest one. It is by far the stupidest one. Um, mm-hmm. And then it has the whole sequence where they go to um, Abu Dhabi. Fucking hell. And it's um, like, at the end of the movie, there's a big thing. It's the Abu Dhabi Tourist Board paid for a lot of that. Yeah, of course they did. I mean, the car that's in it, that, that where they're talking about the car, the special car. Yeah. Is, is a Lycan. And there's, literally only seven of them made yeah uh and that was intention there and then yeah it's just one of the yeah it's just one of those ones that just smacks of somebody paid for this to get made so we've done it yeah but also it felt like there was part of it that was going back to the paul walker thing actually yeah i might need i might need to go in a minute yeah i think we might have to should we um yeah, I might, I'm going to have to go in a second as well. So should we do a bit of a pause here and we'll continue talking about seven yeah. and eight? Um, okay, so end of part one. Join us for part two in a sec. <laughs> yep, bye. Bye. So should we get straight back into it then? <laughs> yeah. After that yeah. brief commercial break, we're back because there, no <laughs> there was no way we were going to be able to talk about all of these movies in one hit. We knew that was going to happen. Um, so we've, we've taken a break uh, and now we're back. So. What were we talking about? We we got to seven, I think, hadn't we? Yes. Um, yes. So the 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 shark has well and truly jumped at this point. Um, <laughs> it's become a joke. I mean, the fact like the the title itself. When you start talking about things in terms of six, seven, eight, yeah, it becomes a joke. It becomes the like the tug speedman. Um, Adverts in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> again. 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 Yeah. It's like eight. Really? Eight? No, they're they're for real. There's literally there are there are eight of these now. It's like, yeah, it just becomes crazy. And and the plots it's an incomprehensible nightmare at this point. Yeah. Um because there's no point. It's what was it's the there was what was it you call it the X-Men paradigm where it's only Relevant to the one that happened before. Only the previous one matters. But then that's, I don't even think that's necessarily. But that the case doesn't now. work with this because, like, it's that weird interconnectivity that they've. Yeah. Well, well seven is the on. weird one because seven is the one where they finally try and tie it all back to Tokyo Drift. Um, yeah. And it also, but like, like you say, it is only, what's only important is the one that come previously because the whole plot of this is on the idea that it's. Jason Statham coming for revenge as a result of yeah. what they did in six. Um, but yeah, just the, the it becomes very clear that the, the thinnest of plots where it's like, we've got to find this bit of tech that will allow us to find the bloke who keeps showing up anyway. Um, and it just really is an excuse <laughs> to just go from set piece to set piece. And then, yeah, we get the Abu Dhabi scene, which as we said is funded by the Abu Dhabi tourist board. And that comes up at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's the, where they jump the car between three buildings. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a weird one because they're like, um, 
it go that's a for of all the things that have come before that's another sort of dramatic escalation in reality breaking well i don't know because i think that it start yeah first it's the jumping the cars out of the plane <clears throat> yeah that's that and then the, yeah then it goes on to the um the jumping the car but there's a lot of jumping cars in seven for some reason yeah um but just yeah the laws of physics no longer apply I mean, but they'd already established that by six with the whole with Dom jumping over the um, over the gap in the bridge and catching Letty midair, like their whole thing of like trying to anchor the tank, um, and then like the the weight of a car going over the side yeah. of a building will is enough to flip a tank. It's like right, physics don't count anymore. We're not. Yeah. We're, that nothing. tank weighs in the region of about forty tons. Yeah, exactly. Like there's nothing that nothing you can maybe do. more. Can, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so they've already set that precedent. So then when it comes to when it is like, and it's the same with like the, the trailers for these things started becoming crazy when you got to seven as well. When you saw it in the trailer, oh yeah, we're going to jump a car between three buildings. You were like, yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, why the fuck not? Like, <laughs> Fine. Um, but even just, just everything is just an excuse to do, you know, get what's popular or or what they think will, will draw people in. So, yeah, they have the whole subplot where they've got to find a hacker, and the hacker turns out to be Natalie Emmanuel. No, no, is, the hacker is a girl. Is a pretty girl. You don't, you don't take oh a... Oh, my God. Tom you, don't, Tom, you don't take a body like that and park, park it behind a desk. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She a girl. Yeah, it's... That is the most gratuitous, is pervy, and it's really like it's uncomfortable because, like, both Tyrese the bit when they she's coming out of the water, yeah, it's ridiculous, and, and, it's the, and the 40 year old men, yeah, and it, uh, and they're, they're twice her age, and there's literally like some song playing. And it's like the I think the literally the lyric is, I cannot believe my eyes, as it's like as water's just dripping off her, and there's like long panning shot. It's like, Jesus Christ, all right, okay, look. I get it. Like I've, I've, I'm very much in love with Natalie Emmanuel and was at the time because we were all watching Game of Thrones. I get it, but at the same time, come on, it's it's this is gross. Like, yeah, and everyone's it wasn't, uh, and It's just like, yeah, it's not, it's not okay. It's not okay. I didn't really, uh, yeah, and it was like, I know it sounds weird, but like. I first saw her in Hollyoaks. Oh yeah, <laughs> for any UK listeners, which is like a a soap opera, which is like like religion to university students. Like we all we all watched it. We all spent a lot of time with Hollyoaks when we were a university, and some of us had freeview boxes and were celebrities because of it. Um, but yeah, it always I don't know like sort of seeing her introduced as that as like a 14 year old girl yeah. i was always a bit like oh yeah fair enough uh see i only ever knew her from game of thrones where she was very yeah. much a yeah a, a, not dissimilar in terms of her look how pretty she is i'm like right okay i get it um, yeah but it's, it's funny you should mention Hollyoaks because i think I, I want to go back a little there's something i realized in our break that we didn't mention um and it's something where it's like i think six again is the jumping off point where the series becomes a soap opera and yes it does that i think the the most the clearest indication of that is when they bring back letty in six and she has amnesia <laughs> and she doesn't remember anything and that is such soap opera trope that like the the long lost person who you thought was dead turns up but they can't remember anything and it's just yeah. like amnesia is such a just a crap 
soap opera like <laughs> like yeah right yeah and that's like that's where again that's another reason why six is, is my jumping off point where everything just goes all bets are off and then it's literally and then they they capitalize on that by the time you get to seven you go oh no this is a long lost brother who we didn't know about and then it becomes right and then dirty den comes back and then like you know what I mean? it's like yeah every, every every one of these um movies now should end with a, i'm what I'm astonished that they didn't bring Luke Evans back as um, his own brother. Oh, what? You mean they just get the same guy to play the same part again? Yeah. Yeah, they could. Though. They're like, it turns oh, out but we thought you were dead. No, he's a you twin. thought I was dead. My brother's in a coma because Honestly, of you. That, I think that must be the net. Someone has to have an identical twin, don't they? That needs to be the next thing. So they've done, they've done amnesia. They've got people coming back from the dead. Who we they've got uh, long lost siblings that we never knew about, which seems to be the the plot of the next the new movie, the uh, nine that's out at the moment. Yeah, um, they've got illegitimate children coming out of the woodwork. Like think yeah. of think of any like um, soap opera plot, and it's like they've they've done it. So I feel like the only thing left now is that yeah, there needs to be someone needs to have a. Like, I can imagine it being like um, like Tyrese or whatever, just has a, has an identical brother, and it's just him riffing off himself. Like, do you, yeah. do you remember, like, was it like Now You See Me Too, where um, Woody Harrelson insisted on playing his own twin brother? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it'll be that. That's what it'll be. That's, <laughs> they'll, they'll do that. <laughs> oh, they are going to do that, aren't they? That's going to yeah. be 10. 100%. Like, for, because for every, like, for every ridiculous stunt, the story has to match it in ridiculousness and over-the-topness. And so yeah. they have to, the, the states keep going up. So now we've got, a secret shady government organization run by a bloke who calls himself Mr. Nobody, who's recruiting yeah. Dom to get a to get a God's eye thing. And that also, yeah, she's a being MacGuffin. a MacGuffin. The from Ramsey. She's being transported by a bunch of mercenaries led by uh what's his name? Jim and Hansu. Jim Hansu, yeah. I can never I can never pronounce his name properly. But there's another like uh, and this is also the point where they start getting some really like legitimately good actors in here as well. Like he's in it, Kurt yeah. Russell's in it. Like, what, what yep. the fuck's going on? I don't know because also Helen Mirren turns up. Yeah, that's that's in eight. She turns up in eight. But is that yeah, eight? Yeah, that's she. She she turns up in eight. Um, but like seven is just I don't, the other sort of the major thing in seven that we haven't obviously talked about yet is that this was the movie where Paul Walker died during production. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they had to sh- shoot around it, and they did some really clever things whereby they they brought in his brothers um, and did some like digital face replacement. Um, yeah, some of it works really well. I remember the first the first time I watched it, I was in, really impressed by how well they did it. Yeah, on subsequent viewings, it becomes quite obvious where the digital Paul Walker is. Yeah, because there's also what's called rotoscoping as well, which is. Uh, for anyone that's unfamiliar is is where you go in and you over each and individual frame of the film that's there you replace a picture with another picture so you put something over the top they've done that in a lot of this using um like deleted scenes or archival stuff that they didn't use before Mm. or they've repurposed it and a lot of that so it's it's cleverly done, mm. and I get that it's it's a bit of a tricky situation because as much as we can slate this film, you know, to speak ill of the dead is, is not good. 
No, no, I'm not. And I, it's the one thing I will give it credit for is that I do think that they do a good job. They do as best a good, yeah. a best job as they can do, and they try and you know. <clears throat> there's obviously they've done some rewrites and things so that it they lead it to a natural conclusion at the end where it's like right, it makes sense for that character to be sort of retired now. Yeah, um, and they sort of if felt fairly natural, and then they have. It sort of it breaks the fourth wall in you know in the end where they do have this sort of tribute to Paul and show a lot of the clips from the previous movies and have the you know them driving off into the sunset next to each other, which has become this very famous scene. But genuinely, much as it might be you know cheesy and you know, I, I feel there is there is a genuine heartfelt nature to it, and it's done yeah. really well. And I, I mean, yeah, you can't really fault them for doing it in like uh yeah it's a fitting tribute it's it works well for the character it serves paul yeah. respectfully it does they've, they've everything. made it so that he feel he feels like he's part of the movie all the way through you don't feel like there's a disconnect between him and everyone else yeah um and then yeah it's yeah they have that moment yeah they have their moment at the end and like I, i'll say it this way uh much as yeah i think there was a similar situation with star wars with carrie fisher yeah, I genuinely I think Fast and Furious did it better. I think they did a better job of dealing with it and respect and sort of making it feel natural and and closing the book on it. You, than they oh, did. is that you're saying about in nine? Yeah, yeah, in nine where they just shot around stuff that they had from her, and it's clear that she's not there, and it's all just very awkward and a bit morbid and yeah, just not very nice. Whereas I think they did a much yeah. better job of making it feel natural here. And and it was genuinely much more fitting because I think the way that what they did to Leia's character and stuff was, you know, well, we've talked about that. We're not going to go off on a tangent about Star Wars, mm. but they, yeah. And then doing gross stuff like the, the flashback sequence with Leia and like, can you imagine them doing something similar like that with like, like fundamentally changing Paul Walker's character after he already died? Like, it would just be wrong, wouldn't it? It would just be like, if they, if they were to just write him out because it turns out he was a bad guy all along, but he wasn't there to do anything about it. Yeah, it's, that, that's the equivalent. It's like, yeah, it's so I feel like they, they did a better, much better job when presented with a similar um, challenge. Uh, yeah, they did. Well, that's the thing, because like, they had half a film's worth of content. They had this sort of clear structure in place about what they wanted to do and say. And like, ideally, yeah, they were wanting to carry on as long as they could. But what happened happened and they can't really sort of change that. So it was pretty fitting. Yeah. It served every purpose and it did it in a respectful way, which I think is the the most important because especially with something like the fast and furious, it could run into a sort of a distasteful. Yeah. Like they could have, if they under parodying, exactly. If they killed him off, if they, or, and use that as a, like a plot point that someone killed, Brian, that would have been very disrespectful, yeah. but they didn't do like that. They'd have done I mean? it like off, off screen, off screen death, or just all you know. I mean, there's there are points in the plot you could quite easily have had that explosion at the beginning kills Brian, and that then pushes Dom on for that. And like you've effectively, I thought it. that's what they did when we were first watching. Yeah, um, and they there was a there was an easy out for them, but they chose not to do that because they were like, no, that's not that's completely disrespectful, and not only that as well is. They, you can't get around the fact, and this is something that does cross your mind when you're watching those driving sequences and it's Paul, you know, 
doing all his, his own stunts like because he clearly they filmed quite a lot of that sequence on the um with the uh bus that was yeah. clearly him doing a lot of that and jumping from a car yeah, it was and, yeah um and it's like but you and in the back of your head you're going shit he died in a car crash because he's really into his cars and he was driving too fast it wasn't him he wasn't driving was he not driving no oh shit i didn't know that but still yeah he, yeah. he was passenger with somebody else and uh the other person lost control mm, shit uh the um, other person was driving like an idiot you know there's no sort of getting away from it but but it just yeah it, it's it's in the back of your head and then you can't help you know they have these scenes with jordana brewster and his yeah his kid in the movie and again you remember the fact that paul had his own children in real life yeah and you see you know you see the things that you know happened off screen with you know tyrese obviously everyone they were all completely devastated and that's when you realize that all this family stuff they take the piss out that we all take the piss out of there's a genuine you know they when you work for some with someone for 10 years they are going to be like your sort of brother aren't they they are going to be a very close friend and it's a horrible thing to have happened so fair exactly. to all of them for dealing with it and continuing the way they did yeah but also like there's it's yeah They've all sort of gone in and done the right thing, and you sort of talk about the family side of things, and yeah, like we do make fun of it because it, it is silly, yeah, you know. But at the same time, like silliness comes across, comes out in different ways. So some people are gonna sort of see it and and, and really enjoy that sort of stuff and understand it a lot more. And I know that I know people that were saying that they were devastated when they heard that Paul Walker had died, and I was yeah. like, okay, like. I was devastated when Stan Lee died. Like, I'm not going to take that away from anybody else. No, I mean, yeah, we've talked about previously. And I mean, we, you know, <clears throat> if you want to go back to see my reactions to the Chadwick Boseman, um, I think he's the closest to that. And then Heath Ledger, everyone's got those people who meant a lot to them. And, and it does absolutely make you gutted when they're, when they're gone. And there's nothing to say that it's not that it's less legitimate because it's Paul Walker. Of course it's not. Um, mm. So it's just, it's just one of those things. Um, but sort of moving on from the Paul Walker reveal, the other what's interesting is in Furious Seven, um, in that film in particular, is that that's when there was a, just a massive uptick in the amount of money that those films made. Was okay. So you look at I was looking at the um, the, the figures for it. So previously they, they're they're on a they're on an incline. Um, so like so, fu- Fast Five worldwide gross six hundred million six hundred thirty million worldwide. worldwide. Furious Six, seven hundred eighty-nine million. Yeah, yeah. Furious Seven, one point five billion. So it almost doubles what Furious, what Fast and Fur- Furious yeah. Six did. But what did six to seven? Can, can, in as respectfully as possible, what did Eight get? Eight did uh, one point two billion. So there's a three yeah. billion different. But I think what what's really what you, I looked into is like how is it that's that big jump. Two things. First of all, the Abu Dhabi element of it. Second mm-hmm. of all, it opened massively in China and they did a big like it Chinese money was put into the production of the movie and yeah. then and they put a lot of you know marketing push for it in China and that's where it made a massive load of money. So that's why there was this huge uptick from six to seven. Um and I know what you're saying, like there could have been an element of the pool because there is a sort of a morbidity effect there is of... there is and, and you know people have said the same thing around things like the dark knight um dark knight yeah. was you know it's part of it is that there was a morbid curiosity in, in seeing Heath ledger's performance after he's gone um, and i agree that that might have been a factor but for it to double 
is crazy. And I think there's, there's a, a yeah. fair amount of that is down to the, the China, uh, the money they pumped into it. And also I'm, I imagine that, it will, you know, one of the, if you're one of the three American productions that is allowed to be shown in China that year, you're going to get yeah. a big boost. And suddenly that, and then that then obviously springboards into the next movie. So by the time the fate of the Furies comes out, they then, yeah, they're 1.2 billion. Um, so then they're, they're playing with the big boys, but it's, it's a massive shift from six to seven. Um, and then now they're in, they're in the Marvel, you know, Star Wars territory of the kind of money they're making. Yeah. Which is mad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, there's loads of that. recently because of this new, the nine has come out. There's been quite a lot of like think pieces and stuff written. I remember I was reading one from the BBC the other day, how, um, you know, the Fast and the Furious came to define the blockbuster in the 20th century. And it's like, yeah. And then they kind of, they should, they just talked about how, it started off in 2001 as like this little, just fairly low budget little action film that was made off the back of the director reading a, a Time magazine article about street racing. Thinking, Racer X. Yeah. Saying this is an, in- this could be an interesting like little subculture that we could talk about and do a movie on. And like the idea is like films like that don't get made anymore in 2021 yeah. now everything's no, about they're not franchise yes it's all universe building and franchises and spin-offs and all the rest of it so it's like it's actually quite an in- Dom, because it's Dom, something that's are like- you saying that they're all sequels prequels remakes and reboots i am saying that yeah that's, <laughs> that's what i mean is that it's it, as as crazy as they've got they are a reflection on like modern hollywood and modern like blockbusters yeah. in that you know they they are these like the fact that the new one isn't is called F9 the Fast Saga. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The saga, the idea of, of sagas and like they're like mangas or you know, or um or um anime where they just they run and run and run for years and years and years, and they've got all this massive amount of like lore and interconnectivity and all the rest of it, which is what people want now, but they didn't want that back in 2002. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's really <laughs> yeah. interesting that it's that like you can chart the success of it and you can see that like, right, well, they tried to do a spin-off, that didn't work. They tried to do got Dark and Gritty, that didn't really work. They brought Fast Five was where it started making and then it went right because people loved that because it had it brought a load of old characters back that they love. There's one people, yeah. one thing people love is bringing back old characters. And then that's where they suddenly, they, all the, you know, all the dots started lining up. So they bring back um, characters, bring in The Rock, I mean, the other element of it that a lot of people talk about in terms of its success is the fact that it's such a it's a diverse cast. Yeah, it is, and that is that's is good. To be fair, it's refreshing, and like all these, there's all these other um, franchises that are like are forcing that almost in a way. It feels like there's a bit of virtue signaling going on. Like, look how diverse we are. Whereas the Fast and Furious franchise just is by its nature, and it kind of always has been. Yeah, it has, and it's sort of been that way since day two, yeah. really. Because like the, Paul, the, the, throughout the whole series, they have a token white guy, and it's Paul. Vin Diesel was a token white guy, Dom. No, he's not. Um, yes, he is. This is Brazil. <laughs> like, uh, he's Dominican or some shit. I don't sure, know. he is. Just whatever. He doesn't right. So it's Vin Diesel's like a. Uh, multiracial, yeah. So, and it's one of those things. Where it's like 
you try and find out about it and they're like oh we don't know but there's some part of him that's african-american there's some part of him that's german there's part of him that's irish there's part of him that's this and it's like okay but that's one slight problem that i do have is that they keep sort of presenting him as being dominican or and i'm like but he's he's he's, he's a white guy it's, it's very clear on that as you go through later films like and you look into who he is and you're like well <clears throat> yeah it's just i don't know i find it a bit frustrating because i'm like they the cast is so diverse and so amazing that they don't need to sort of keep presenting this guy as this and this is what i'm worried about with nine because it does look like they've given john cena a fairly significant tan yeah there's a little bit of that isn't it <laughs> because john cena is now playing dom's long lost brother um yeah he turns up in nine um mm. but like and it's yeah, just interesting. Know. Like the diversity in the cast is brilliant. It's always had strong female characters, kind of. And um, but that's again like part of part of my problem with this stuff is that the whole franchise is so caught up with Superman yeah. in the middle of it that it it actually falls at so many other things where it has the potential to be amazing. Yeah, I think. Because it all just comes down to the fact that everyone's like, oh, we need Vin to come and save us. We're doomed unless Vin comes yeah, and saves he, us. He is, has got this like God complex around it. And I think the, the worst culprit of that actually <laughs> moves us quite seamlessly into uh, eight. Uh, mm. The fate of the furious at this point, Dom is some sort of like, you know, cult hero God. Like <laughs> the way that mm. the way he is. Feel, yeah. The way the film opens, they're in they're in Cuba, here in Letty. Letty's got her memory back now somehow, um, and they're on their honeymoon. And there's this whole sequence where they do a street race, and he's in this crap like burnt out little car, and it he wins despite the fact that the car's on fire and he's driving backwards. Yeah, and he launches it into this. I remember watching it at the cinema, and it was hilarious. It was the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like but that happens and what i love is as soon as that happens suddenly some like a load of kids start running towards him and he picks one up and it's like yeah. he's some sort he's like a like a messiah figure and he's yeah. like, and he just and he talks to the guys oh well i guess i guess that means you i owe you a car he goes no you keep your car your respect is good enough like he's always teaching people lessons i yeah. generally like he's some sort of Saint, it's some sort of Jesus. Yeah, he's just a saint, like wandering the earth, just writing wrongs, and like children love him, and he's just like, mm. mate, what the fuck? Because <laughs> what's going to happen in ten is he's he's going to drive fast enough that he's rewriting time. Probably, yeah, that wouldn't surprise you me. Know? I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me. Um, but then, yeah, <laughs> eight is just eight's fucking crazy. Eight's just it is so far beyond the joke at this point. When the, by the time they get to eight. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's the cult of personality built around Vin, and it's all about him. And he tries to put in some like dramatic stuff into it, but then I, it's again, it's this one is where they get all the bit the big heavy hitters in terms of actors. Charlize Theron is in this, and she's yeah. the villain, like Oscar winning Charlize Theron. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like she's chewing the scenery and having the time of her life is what she's doing and cashing a paycheck. But fuck me. <laughs> well that's what i mean like we're sort of sitting there going the, the these people want to be in this 
Why wouldn't you? Look at the and, money. And like, no, 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 but it's not just that. But like, it's not even the money. Like Helen Mirren was like, I really want to be in Fast and Furious. And she said it on Graham Norton and Vin Diesel wrote her in. And yeah. you're like, I don't get this. It's like, it's like I'm saying, it's the joke that I don't, uh, that I feel like I'm missing. Like, am I missing something about Vin Diesel? Am I and like, yeah, it's just this really sort of surreal situation that I'm like, is it, what's happening here? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I think they, cause they're trying to, cause they're trying to like top themselves all the time in terms of the stunts and keep the stories interesting. It's like, they feel like they're old school cinema. They feel like they're, do you know what I mean? They feel like they're, but, but they're not, obviously they're not. But, but like, yeah. It's, but that's it's, what I mean. What, like, might, what's interesting to, as a comparison, I think is like, think about it, comparing it to the Mission Impossible films. Mm. Because they are very, you know, there is a lot of similarities in that. Is that they've gone on way far longer than they probably should have. And there's a certain, like, there's a core cast that keeps coming back. They start with a stunt first and then work their story around it after the fact, which I feel like <laughs> is exactly how they do it on Fast and Furious. Yeah. But for whatever reason, like, you and I, I know, are much stronger fans of the, yeah, and we're much more willing to go and see Mission Impossible 7. That doesn't seem mm. as ridiculous to us. As, as Fast and Furious 9. I'm not quite sure why that is, because it is just no. as silly, really. Like Exactly, and it's all framed around the messianic Tom Cruise exactly. and everything else. I think it's... I guess maybe it's the, it's the framework, the fact that it's Mission Impossible is a spy franchise. Like, they, they can, they've somehow managed to make it more believable when he's doing these ridiculous things. Yeah. Whereas Fast and Furious, they got as far as they could in terms of, right, well... They're criminals. They'll steal the vault and then disappear to the end. Of, right, that's the apex. Then it can't go any further than that. Mm. And then they've made four more films since then, and it's got increasingly <laughs> more ridiculous. And yeah. now the, the government's recruited it, them, and it doesn't make any sense. But what it feels like with Mission Impossible, it, it the the comparison that I'm going to sort of put there is that it feels like if John Woo continued to make Mission Impossible films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what they didn't do was get to the, they didn't get to the end of Mission Impossible 2 and go, well, you know, that didn't really, it's not really what we wanted. So, and then they've, they didn't sort of take any sort of onward direction of it. Jeez, can you imagine if, yeah, if John Woo was still directing Mission Impossible films, how many doves would we, would we have on that by this point? Oh, all the doves. All the doves. <laughs> Mega dove. There'd be the entire film would be in slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> it would just be it would just be a standoff. Yeah, but it would take two and a half hours because uh, it's in in the slowest of slow motion. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. But I mean, yeah, the Fate of the Furious is just it's the craziest one. It just. It doesn't make any sense. Like I, I remember again. Like they, they don't even bother with a plot really on this one. It's like it starts off and like Hobbs gets approached by some shady government figure whilst he's coaching his daughter's soccer team. Yeah, and this was the one where I was like, look how far he's come from where he when he he turned up in five, <laughs> and he was this menacing like I don't give a shit. Your name came up on my desk. I'm taking you in, you son of a bitch. Or no, he doesn't say son of a bitch. He goes son bitch. Some bitch. Son, bitch. You just yeah, earned yourself. That's a, that's a Dwayne Johnson thing. That is. You just earned yourself a dance with the devil, boy. Oh, it's, yeah, it keeps calling people boy. Boy, yeah. I'm woman. He calls everyone woman. I'll go home when I damn well feel like a woman. I am woman. I am the cavalry. Yeah. 
Women, you don't, don't, you just don't go pick up Owen Shaw like his groceries. They hunt wolves and eat wolves. Let's go hunting. Then spits. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're really sweaty. But like, some of the, I remember that that one was weird. It's like because I did kind of want, much as like Gina Carano turned out to be an asshole, I did kind of want her to fucking knock him out at one point. You see, yeah. when like she, he says something to her, doesn't it? Like he's like, um, an ass like that and brains, woman, you're gonna put me out of a job. And I was like, knock him out. Knock him the fuck yeah. out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's the, no. We haven't even talked about Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Yeah, Ronda Rousey. Rowdy, Rowdy <laughs> Ronda Rousey. She can't act, can she? Uh, well, <laughs> no, she can't. No, she can barely fucking talk. But then, but then again, this is the the. Continuum. What is that? She's got like one line, isn't she? Just like it was like well, she says, "Oh, would you believe I knocked him out with my charm?" And she goes, "You ain't that charming, bitch." But it looks like it's like been dubbed over by someone who can speak English because it's like yeah. it barely looks like. But I, you know, they do have the bit where yeah. So then again, talking about the upskilling of Letty in particular. So again, oh my she's, God. She, started yeah. off as, she started off as a driver. Like, yeah, oh, ghost girl. Uh, yeah, you're a driver. You know, that's not my style. I got to ride or die. But then somehow she's a a good enough combatant to take on Ronda Rousey and win mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Um, and then that's not to say in eight, then she's like, she's going special forces. They're attacking a secret Russian fucking <laughs> nuclear base. And it's like yeah. again, she's like running around with a submachine gun, and it's again the so the rock so dropping Dwayne, people like flies. But Dwayne Johnson again, he's a government a- agent, and he thinks that the best people for this job are these guys, not <laughs> some Navy SEALs or just literally anybody. Special forces. Yeah, he has access to everybody. Anyone with like, training. That's literally how this film starts. They 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 then get they don't even bother explaining anymore. They've just got a contempt now for the audience in terms of just like. Yeah, the guy turns up at Shut the Rocks. Up. Watch this. Yeah, the guy turns up at the Rocks football game. He says, "There's a MacGuffin here, or whatever. There's an EMP. Get a crew over there. We, you've got deniability. Yeah, you know, we've got a complete deniability. You get caught, you're fucked." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I'll put a team together, and then he rings Dom and gets his team together, and then it, then it just cuts to fucking Berlin or whatever, and it's just a bunch of them racing out of a facility in cars, blowing everything up with the giant wrecking ball, and it's like. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. None of this makes any sense. Like, so you had it. Like, imagine if you're the right, like James Bond gets given a job to go in and steal a device. He needs one vehicle and one man. No, no. Instead, he decides to get a crew of street racers and petty criminals, <laughs> fly them out to Berlin, wreck the shit out of it. And why do you need like eight vehicles? And also, why do you have fucking Natalie Emmanuel riding shotgun? For no good reason. Why are you bringing her? Well, yeah. Why is she part of the? That's the other thing they they just assume and never bother mentioning is that she's if family. You, if you're in the previous movie, you're family. That's it. You're family. <laughs> you're part of the family now. And like and 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 then like the motivations for everyone to do everything they do, just, they go, oh well, no, she's family as well. Yeah, Dom is family. No, any one of you. No, Natalie Manuel, walk away. If you just hang you around, e- for you don't a even know these hours. people. You don't even know anybody. Get the fuck out. And the, but the the worst, most egregious example of that is in eight as well with uh, Jason Statham and their attempts to redeem him as a character, and it's oh. just like, oh fuck you! That's just such like, and it pisses me off. It genuinely does because it's just like they they set up this thing, and it's like Han's death was a big thing for a lot of people 
and they set you know the, the big shocking reveal at the end of five oh no end of six where it turns out it was Jason Statham all along again great setup for a villain he blows up Dom's house which is the one thing he wanted in the whole world is that that particular house which he had to kick that family out of the house to yeah. get and then by the time we get to the end of the next not like a few movies down the line after a long like redemption arc or anything like that the next movie Dom's trusting him to go and save his son above everybody else on the crew doesn't not not Brian did Dom know that he was going yeah he sent him no fucking they faked his death they faked his death and then sent him. We're spoiling the end of the movie now. Oh, Fuck shit. It. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Of course, they're, that's they faked, they faked, Helen Mirren came they, in. Yeah, they, they, he went around. He had made a deal with Helen Mirren. They faked his death. And then the Shaw brothers attack. Shelley's the right. And like he trusts him to go and get his son, protect him, and save the day whilst he's supposedly being the bad guy and fighting the crew. And he does that despite the fact in the last movie, the man blew up his house and almost killed him, him his sister, and his nephew. And killed Han, who was a close friend of his, who he's known for many years. And despite that, family. He, the next the next time he sees him as well, it's not like they had a conversation before that. He goes and sees his mum. He sees the next time he sees Shaw, they like fake his death and go and then he goes and sends him on this very important, very personal mission. That's it. It's like, well, fuck you then. Like, because because <laughs> clearly they're doing it because he was a hit with the with the audience, and they've got we've got to set up a, a spin-off with him and the rock. Yeah. Right, I'll fuck you then. <laughs> he's literally fucking sat at the barbecue at the end as part of the family as he's introducing everyone to the baby. And it's like, oh, okay, this is just, this is fucking beyond a joke now, isn't it? If you're the bad guy in the last one, you're part of the family in the next one. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking nonsense. Yeah. And nice. like, that's, I think, like, where we're saying, like, the difference between that and, like, um, Mission Impossible. Yeah, that that's the, I think, is, yeah, like, right, that, it's that's just the like there are like those are the differences because there's like a tonal consistency with characters. And like yes, you can bring someone back, but bring them back in a rational way, or in a way that you would expect a character to return in a film. So you're like, oh, Rebecca Hall. Is it Rebecca Hall? Who? In Fast and Furious, uh, Mission Impossible. No, Rebecca Ferguson. That's the one. Yeah, no, no, see, um, I, I, know, I know what you mean, but like, even in this one, like, they bring back, like, like, there are certain elements of the plot that do kind of work. Like, they bring back Elena, who was the the sort of the in between, the uh, Brazilian cop that Dom sort of shacked yeah. up with, but they've kept her in the movies throughout. You haven't forgotten about her because she was like, she was in Seven as like uh, the Rock's sort of right hand woman or whatever. Yeah, and they had this little moment between her and Dom where she was going to say something, and he, she didn't. So it doesn't come out of nowhere where they she turns out and it turns out she was pregnant at one point and had had a baby that was Dom's, and he never knew about it. And now they're using that as leverage, and that's the whole point of eight is that they, you know, Dom's turned on the family because Charlize Theron is blackmailing him with his with his son, and that's yeah. fine. But it's just it's the like the that works turning the previous villain into a good guy in the space of 30 minutes doesn't. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, it's like the equivalent of like, you know, the, the fucking Khaleesi moment you know, at the end of Game of Thrones, where she just suddenly <laughs> randomly turns around and just burns the fucking town down. And then we got to She's evil her. now. She's, she's evil now. She's evil. No, we foreshadowed it. Don't you remember when she was a little bit mad that one time? Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah it's fucking it's just absolute nonsense um and yeah uh and that's not to mention like all the shit that's going on whilst so whilst you're stomaching that the fact that we're now supposed to be cheering for this guy as they're doing this weird comedy action sequence where he's throwing the baby around and making oh, yeah. jokes just, again last last movie he hello was baby last, yeah, i'm going to save her Last movie, he was a menacing bad guy, and the two of them was were smacking the shit out of each other with windscreen wipers on top of a car park. <laughs> until yeah, don't forget the Vin Diesel stamped a car until, park into until, submission. Yeah, until Vin Diesel stamped the car park. See that? Yeah, but he was like right up to the end of the movie, he was this menacing bad guy. And now here we are, one movie later, and he's like, "How's the music? Is it good?" Shooting a load of bad guys. Like, yeah, you having a nice time, mate. I've never seen su- su- such a rapid decline for, as a, from a character. Like at least, yeah. at least the, the rocks one was like they put him in a bo- in a pot of boiling water and slowly turned up the temperature. Yeah, and like by the time we got to eight, he was just he was he was a, a shadow of his former self that he was in five. Whereas with fucking with Statham, they literally just shoved him in the fucking microwave for five minutes. Now he's a completely different bloke. Yeah, and it's slowly cutting the balls off of the characters. Yeah, because Vin Diesel's ego yeah. doesn't can't fit around that. You know, like there's no longer like there was what was it? There was supposed to be a uh, like a post credit sting to tee off the Hobbs and Shaw film. But yeah, Vin he, Diesel removed it from the film. Yeah, because this was again eight was famously where like The Rock and Vin Diesel couldn't even be in the same room together. Yeah. Um, and that becomes apparent <laughs> and just like yeah there was just too much like animosity and, and for sort of dick measuring um and like, i think tyrese started getting shitty about it as well because like the rock thinks it's his franchise it's like sh- shut the fuck up he's a large part of why it's successful he's a massive draw just shut the fuck up and be happy that you're employed like literally like tyrese not being funny mate you wouldn't be here if Vin had said yes to too fast too furious so wind, <laughs> exactly. wind your fucking neck in and the same with you same with, and the same with ludicrous ludicrous you're only here because jar rule said no in 2001 <laughs> like and you owe all of this to that so just like be, just be great although ty ludicrous knows that ludicrous like has, has sort of admitted that in interviews he sort of said look oh yeah like, he came out fairly publicly <clears> and said it didn't he he was he says, look, like jar rules acting a fool um and nine movies later here i am it's like fair enough man fair enough you're living your best life i've got nothing no nothing against that at all yeah <laughs> but yeah it's just and then i mean yeah so we've got the the action sequence happening on the plane meanwhile on the ground the team is, are fighting a submarine um, yeah. And trying to outrun a submarine on ice. There's a point where a <sighs> torpedo gets shot. That's the other thing. It's the the inertia of objects in these in these movies is in, incredible. The, oh no, the, there's, there's no there's no such thing. There's no well, there's no such thing as friction. I think is what it is because things will well, just keep. They'll just selective gravity. Yeah, they'll just now keep this. Moving. I'm going to come back to you. Uh, I'm going to come back to something that I believe that they found um, a Mayan amulet or an Inca amulet in the um, safe in five. Right. That granted them all superpowers. Right. Okay. That, that's yeah. my head cannon. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, why the fuck not? Um, yeah, because like I say, from that point onwards, they are all superheroes. They are all just incredible. They're all immortal. And they so much so that <clears throat> from five onwards they get recruited for government work um, above much more <laughs> yeah. much more trained and skilled people. 
with better equipment and all the rest of it. It just, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, I just, the, the lunacy that is the end of eight, and just the I mean, we haven't even talked about the fucking the the zombie car sequence that happens in the middle as well. Where they, t- oh, they where they, they they tear up New York. There's this weird bit where yeah, so she it controls a load of um, cars that for some reason all have self driving functions, despite the fact that it's still a very new feature. Um, despite the fact that a lot of those those cars that have got that self drive feature in that film are from the late '90s and early 2000s. Yeah, it's like an old. So most of those cars would have still had cassette players. Yeah, it's like a fucking New York taxi cab that's like was made in 1916. Yet somehow she's able to hack into it and control it. But like just the, like the when she talks to her hacker bloke and he goes, uh, "Well, there are over a thousand. She goes, "Hack them all." <laughs> Yeah, I love that this. What like in eight, they try and get into technical stuff, and they'd like, oh dear, no, stop <laughs> it, stop it. Like when when like um, Ramsey and um, Charlie Theron's character are like trying to out hack each other. It's like, oh you, uh, cl- oh, you clever little bitch. <laughs> they like tapping away on the keyboards, and it's like, oh, we're in a nineties movie. Okay, cool. <laughs> and Ludacris comes over and, and starts clicking on the hat. She's hacking too fast. Let's hack together. Let's NOS hack. And then they put a USB stick in that's got NOS written on it <laughs> and means they can hack faster. But just like, yeah, again, I just, I can't get over just what, that where they all are at the end because it ends up in this Russian secret nuclear facility and you've got things like, you know, Ludacris is locked out and he's peeping through like the, the porthole trying to tell The Rock and Tyrese how to disarm a nuclear sub. And again, I just went back to myself and like, you used to organize street races in Miami. <clears throat> how the fuck do you know how to de- not, not only <clears throat> like decommission a nuclear sub, a Russian nuclear sub? Yeah. And he's talking about like he's frustrated that they don't know what they're doing. It's like because it's it would be child's play to him, but unfortunately he's in the middle of this doors in his way. It's just well, like- his his ability that he got from the Mayan gods was the gift of intellect. Apparently. Technical yeah. intellect. Is it was it like the um was it it's Captain, like Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, Captain Planet or something. Yeah, they all get like a bespoke ability based on their greatest strength already. So Tej was quite clever, uh, but now he's really, really clever and is immortal. Tyrese talks a lot and is loud, and now yeah. he talks even more and is even louder and is immortal. Yeah. It's- um, Natalie Emmanuel is made of wood. And speaks like like she's made of wood. What I like is that Natalie Emmanuel can't drive. Her character in, I mean, in the films can't can't drive, and yet she's part of the crew. That is Uh, known for, and that apparently looks like it's going to be some sort of joke in the next in nine. Is that they ask her to actually do some driving, and it turns out she can't drive. It's like, right, how the fuck? Because essentially, there's nothing she does that Ludacris's character doesn't do. So she I does more hacking, doesn't she? She does, does better she? hacking. I don't fucking know. Is she a better hacker? I don't know. She's she a, a hacker. She, she, she's one that's better to look at. That's it. That's all it comes down to. Right. Yeah. She's taller. <laughs> um, but yeah, fucking hell. Honestly, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's absolute lunacy. I still like, even though I just I completely appreciate that eight is shit and it's just it's the fucking stupidest thing but it's just i've got a soft spot in my heart for just the b-movie craziness of it um 
And it's just, I, I do, I find it funny. I find, I find them enjoyable to watch. I mean, the, the, the one, the biggest criticism, honestly, one of the biggest criticisms I have a is the moment in the middle where it tries to get serious and they, and they murder um, Elena. Yeah. Because that's just so tonally, in, and again, it's just, it's one of those, it's Vin Diesel's ego again, because he wanted that scene in there so that he could act, so he could do some real acting. And, you know, you know, he's sort of written this whole thing around, like, so he can, like, shout at the doors and he can he can cry and he can do a proper, like, the whole thing is written around his ego in eight. And I feel like the, the biggest demonstration of that is that that's to the film's detriment because it's such a, like, you get whiplash in terms of just, it's the most, it's so dark. It's the darkest thing that's happened in any of these movies. They yeah. literally, you know, Charlie Theron is holding this baby. Meanwhile, behind her, Tormund from Game of Thrones <laughs> but also, also like you've got to think like one like th- this is like the one person that canonically within the films themselves she's the one character who's who's died yeah well hard. and but not anymore yeah oh yeah well no <laughs> like yeah and so han's dead not dead she's the only person that again canonically uh, has G- died giselle supposedly Oh yeah, but I'm I'm convinced. okay. Yeah, so there's two, 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 like three people have died. Nobody reacted when Giselle died, really. Han no. did, yeah. and then uh, Mia went and gave him a cuddle. Yeah, but it's I don't know. It's just this whole thing that like, and they just they're uh, killing uh, hundreds of people. Like, think about what happened in Brazil, for example. Yeah. They were dragging that around. They made it very, very clear that there was no sort of um there was no concern for the public they were just like fuck them yeah like let them die and then you go okay so they they don't care about the public and then yeah i don't know like they don't care about the public hundreds of people are like dying through these things or the car crashes Every one of those cars that smashed into a thing that was a taxi that had yeah, because, one no, or two people in it. Don't, don't forget, car crashes don't hurt anymore. Do you remember, well, the, do you remember that was that bit where, like, how, how's Don going to get out of this one? And his solution was to drive off a mountain. <laughs> and he was fine. He told, she, she put, put a helmet on. But then they, they went and collected him from the bottom of the hill. All the rest of the crew were like, you're right. <sighs> yeah. Just sort of dust himself off. Fine. Like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not how car crashes work. Like no, like, <laughs> um, and that, yeah, they 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 drive headfirst into each other, him and Statham, and again, and they do that twice in that film, and they're fine. So car crashes don't matter, don't hurt. At one point, he jumps over a submarine with a heat seeker on him, and then yeah. takes out the submarine. They use the cars to block the fire. I don't know, it's it's fucked. They, uh, but yeah, like, I, I know what you mean in terms of just. There are a few scenes. So there's, I think. In terms of public endangerment, what we got, we've got fucking the the safe scene. We've got the tank scene in um, six yeah. where they're just they're literally pancaking fucking cars with that tank. Although to be fair, that's not them. And that's another that's another moment where I think like the, the, Vin Diesel like shouts over the comm. He goes, "Take them away from the people." And it's like, "Oh no, you are superheroes now, aren't you?" Okay, all right. Yeah, it's like literally like you're concerned. Like he shows concern for the people. It's like, but we're not people. We're we're not civilians. We're the, the Avengers. And like, you're not. You're just guys with cars. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
And then what seven? They wreck the shit out of London, but no one seems to care. Um, no one cares. That's before. Oh, actually, well, no. In seven, there's also the um, the drone fight in downtown LA. Um, yeah. That famously has absolutely no traffic in LA. Um, that's that's what LA is known for. Is that it's basically infamous, infamous. Infamous. That it's just lack like of traffic at, at nighttime. It's the well, the, you know, the downtown area is closed and the working day is finished, so it's basically just a big racetrack. Um, yeah, where the rock can drive a <laughs> drive a fucking ambulance off a bridge to crush a drone because he timed it perfectly. Um, after he flexed out That's of his cast, also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was. So I did have to good. point that out to Hannah. And that's I was the like... best thing. I love that. I don't. I unironically, I think that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I was like, you prob- need to see this. Like, it's probably the most realistic <laughs> thing that happens in that film. Because <laughs> I was like. He's he says daddy's gotta to go to work. Daddy's gotta to go to work. <laughs> Just flexes out of his cast. <laughs> and then oh no. It's the best. Um yeah, and but they, you're right. I think but they they've passed their point in terms of public endangerment and the amount of just chaos they have caused, they are past their threshold where what they need is the Sokovia Accords. You know that point, like, because that's what happened with Marvel. Like, the same thing was happening. Like, they kept getting bigger and bigger and, like, blowing up cities and just causing absolute chaos. And they got to a certain point in the films where they were like, we have to address this. And they did, and they made it a plot point. And it yeah. was, and that was the basis for all of Captain America's Civil War, which became a whole massive thing. And it's like, that's cool, because you're recontextualizing everything that's happened before and saying, no, there are consequences to all this. And I feel like the Fast and Furious, are like, that should have happened, like, two films ago. Fucking Secretary Ross should have walked in and said, "You've got to stop what you're fucking doing because you guys are causing a hell of a lot of fucking unwarranted <laughs> deaths, and it's not okay." You're killing so many people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like, well, yeah, like Paul Walker signs it immediately, but Vin Diesel's like, "No, we got to take responsibility for our actions." I'm gonna take fucking Yeah, and that's that's how Civil War starts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they and, passed and that point. Given half a chance, I think Vin Diesel would take that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking but yeah, lunacy. I mean, it's it's fucking crazy. It's crazy, and but it's 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 now past the point where I'm like, like I say, yeah, it's like past the point. Like I'm over the joke now. And I sort of got to that with five and I was like, these are fun. This has been a good time. And then six came along and I was like, you're losing me here a bit. You're pushing it. Yeah. And then seven came along and I was like, no, I'm fucking done. And then eight came along and I I was just like. I feel like, yeah, there were two, like amongst the last few films, I think five was the natural stopping point. Yeah. Because like everyone got their happy ending. And like, as we said previously, they should have spun off with the rock and then Next to that, I think the next closest thing they had to a to an ending was seven, where they finished with Paul Walker and drove off into the sunset, and it was like, right, yeah, that's it, leave it. But like, when a movie makes over a billion dollars, it's oh, they're yeah, going yeah, to make more. You can't not. It's just, it's like, especially the thing with it as well is that to bear in mind, so we were saying earlier about Universal. If it wasn't for this franchise, the Universal Studio would have tanked by now. It would have been bought out by Disney probably. Mm. Disney or Fox or somebody would have bought it by now. The only thing that's keeping them afloat as a independent uh, movie studio is this franchise. 
Yeah. And on that basis, I'm kind of okay with them making continuing to make money because I I don't want every much as we enjoy a lot of the Disney content, I don't want everything to be ruled by one major massive corporation. No, of course not. I want there to be some difference. So if by continually making Fast and Furious movies that make a billion dollars, we can you know Universal continuing to be a thing, then it's almost worth that price, I think, to be honest. Yeah. And like again, it's not, it's, like, I'm yeah, not... we're, we're still not quite at a monopoly where literally all the movies and cinemas are Disney-owned properties. We're almost got there. I mean, there was a couple of you know, a few, almost most of the summers that these movies have come out, most of the years that these movies have come out, they're probably in the top ten of the highest-grossing movies of that year. There's going to be one that isn't a Disney-owned property, and it's probably going to be unit. It's probably going to be Fast and Furious. Yeah, especially at the moment. Like, Do you know what I mean? It was, there, there, was was one, so... there was one year where it was like the Lion King remake. Marvel movies, uh, Toy Story 4, and it's like everything was a Disney property. Star and then Star Wars came out, and it's like everything yeah. was owned by Disney. And the only thing that wasn't in the top 10 would have been like seven or Hyper six global mega court, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm all for the ability to have that sort of freedom for cinema, but. Equally, I don't really want to watch it anymore. <laughs> well, tough like, shit. Tough shit. We're going. Tough shit because we got to watch nine. <laughs> you do, you're goddamn right, we do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna love it. Literally, a mate of mine went to go and see it on uh, Wednesday, and he literally, he knows exactly how I feel about these movies, and he texts me as he came out. He says, "Fast and Furious Nine is fucking hilarious. You're gonna love it." I'm like, "Perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear. That's exactly yeah. what I want to hear." Like, I hope they go to space. I hope there's like just absolute. I, I want everything to be mental. Of course, they're going to space. They're obviously going to space. I want there's, there's a rumor about them because it's the other franchise that is propping Universal up at the moment is um, Jurassic Park. So there's a rumor that maybe they're going to try and cross them over. I'm like, fucking shut up and take my money. Are you kidding me? Dominic Toretto riding a T Rex. No, he'll be fighting a T Rex. He won't ride it. No, because he'll he tame, won't allow it to share the screen. He'll tame it. the beast. There's nothing worse than seeing a beast in a cage. It will just stare it down, and it will bow down to him, and then it and then it won't, and then uh, and then he'll he won't let there be a post credit scene about the next Jurassic Park film. No, that's yeah. exactly yeah. I just it's, yeah, I'm I've met honestly. I think having this podcast has given me a lot of catharsis it's allowed me to close it off and i can go right i'm going to see fast and furious 9 and then in however many years i'm going to see fast and furious 10 you got damn right and then they're going to do they've said basically like because there's been a lot of talk at the moment about how how it's going to end um and he's like vindy's been talking about it and saying he's thinking about an end to where it, you know where it will wrap up and talking about the next movie fast 10 being a two-parter right and that will be where the saga ends but he says the universe will continue so i feel like well for a start they've got the hobbs and shaw as well which I, you haven't seen hobbs and shaw but hobbs and shaw kind of expands the yeah, universe a talk little me bit. through so the, it expands the universe a little bit and they they leave off with a there's a big bad that may or may not be Charlize Theron, I think. Um, but we, again, Charlize Theron is coming back in nine. So maybe we'll see more of her. I don't know. 
but there's some sort of evil tech organization that's trying to wipe out the world um and because they feel like by 20 by the end of the the century we'll all be dead anyway so they're trying to just survive of the fittest they've got they had idris elba in there as a bad as a bad guy completely wasted what a waste of idris right. elba well he's because it's idris elba he's great like yeah why would you have he, he was like it's like him being a marvel villain it was a one and done villain and then they killed him i was like god damn it now it's you've, you've wasted that um but yeah it's just, and again but even that like even at what I like about it is that even outside of the influence of Vin Diesel, it's still a massive soap opera because a massive part of that movie is that turns out there's also a Shaw sister that we didn't know about played by Vanessa Kirby. Okay. So, so it's all about um, fucking uh, Jason Statham's little sister, which has never come up before. And like they have uh, scenes where he goes and visits his mum in prison played by Helen Mirren again. Right. And, and like and it's all connected um and yeah and it's the the rock and jason satan get put on some case together and have to save the world basically um they have to fight idris elba he's um his character's name is brixton um they're fucking ryan reynolds turns up in it what yeah ryan reynolds turns up in it uh Ro- rob Mullaney turns up in it and right. Ke- and kevin hart kevin hart well, of course he does so literally, it's the CIA guy who recruits um, uh, Hobbs to go on the mission is Ryan Reynolds. Okay. And he's literally just playing Deadpool. He's literally... Well, that, yeah, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Is that Ryan Reynolds' only thing? Might be. Might be. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're not seeing the hitman's bodyguard's wife, so... <laughs> no. And I don't really don't want to see free guy. I know, but the fact that you really don't want to see it makes me really want to see it. You crack on, mate. Like you crack on. I will go and see that film about Mad Mickerson and get really pissed with his mates. That's right. Well, we can see that, and we can see things like there's the Green Knight is coming out later this uh, summer. We'll do that. Um, yeah. There'll we'll, be plenty. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Black Widow's out next week. Yeah. Yeah. So is there? So is there? Because a lot of sort of people have like a buyout. They, you know, they're they're like they get to a certain point with the Fast and Furious films, and they're like, "I'm done." Are you? A, you're a full convert all the way through. I need you're to a ride or die. I'm look, I'm right, ride or die, man. Ride or die. I've got to see it. I've got to see it through to the bitter end. Um, I, maybe it never will end. I, I keep thinking that's the thing. I've gone. I've gone past the point where, like, surely they can't make another one. Surely this is it. Like I, I was that was my opinion for like six and seven maybe, and then now it's okay. become it's become clear through the numbers and through the popularity that no, this isn't stopping anytime soon. So either get on board or fucking don't watch them anymore. Those are your two options. So I'm like, right, fuck it, I'm on board. Like this is mental, but I love it. Like, yeah, I don't like I don't care enough. I to, wish I did. I genuinely wish I liked it more. Like I don't care enough to get like I'm when I say stuff about like how they redeemed um Jason Statham's character. I don't care enough to really get upset about it, but I just I find it funny. I find it look how fucking silly it is that just do you know what I mean that like this is a soap opera and they just do whatever they need to do for the purposes of this particular movie and you know you beat a fuck everything else that's come before and I yeah, I just like it's just it is literally like it's unapologetically we will do whatever the hell we need to do to make the most entertaining two hours that we possibly can 
and that seems to be the only thing they care about and like there's i kind of respect that mm. um even though like if if what that means is we have to abandon the laws of physics and logic and and everything else in order to ma- to make that happen and also to top ourselves because we've made too many of these then that's that's the, they've written themselves into that corner but god damn it they 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 go for it every time and i can't i can't like begrudge them that really <laughs> do you know what I mean? yeah no i do get it i do like yeah it's just weird i, I don't know what it is about it that just it just doesn't sit comfortably with me anymore. And I'm just like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to keep going with it. I'll be like, right, I'm going to watch nine. At some point I'll watch fast 10 for the sake of it. No, you will go, we'll go opening night to fast 10 in, mm. in our, in our um, matching, matching uh, white singlets. And and um and crucifixes that also double as uh tracking devices. Oh, are they? In eight, he uses it as a tracking device, isn't he? Does he? Yeah, that's how, that's how they find the plane with shellies that are on it. Fuck. Okay. You had you had it on in the background, didn't you? I just don't pay attention to it because <laughs> it's just fucking nonsense. No, Tom, it's it's the fucking it's Shakespeare for a new generation. It's the, you don't understand. It's it's the, it's the epic story of a family. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, fuck it. I, yeah, Brilliant. I I mean I've said everything I need to say about these films. I I yeah. I I had my moments where I was like I felt like I was being a bit of a film snob about them. Uh, you know, in the sort of middle uh, around the middle part of it, and then there came a point where I just sort of switched my brain off and went, you know what, fuck it. Um, and I, I tell you what, I'm a lot happier now. <laughs> yeah, and I might may well be in the film snob sort of side of things to be honest, but it's, I don't know. I wish I, I genuinely wish that I enjoyed them more. Because maybe it'll click for you, maybe because that's the thing, like you know, it, it clicked for me around you know, but before eight came out, I sort of went back and revisited them and then sort of started just enjoying them as like as fun. And I remember there was yeah. a point where, like, even literally, like, my me and some friends of mine, it was like they had the the meme that now goes around of the two cars, one driving in one direction, one driving in the other with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, but they still thought they were legitimately great action movies, and I would sit there laughing at them. They were like, why are you laughing at this? Why, yeah. are, you take, why are you taking the piss? And it's like, because it's fucking ridiculous. And they they were still like fully into it. And I think now, like now they've got to the point where everyone knows it's a joke. Everyone's in on the joke. And it's like, but like, yeah, like I said, I got there earlier than some people have. I think some people, it took them until eight for them to realize, oh, fuck, this is bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I was already there by the time we got to seven. Uh, by the time we got to six or seven, I was like, "Oh, this is fucking. This is uh, this is a cartoon. I'm watching like a Saturday morning cartoon done in real life, and fine, like cool." <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I'll turn. Maybe I. Maybe yeah, there'll be a moment where like just something completely stupid happens in the next one, and you something. Oh, oh, so it's like GI Joe, right? Do you know what I mean? And that's like yeah. you get that that epiphany moment. I think mine might have been like mine happened at like six. Probably, oh, I think, and, and again, I still think that that I think I, I think it, what it is that sticks sticks wrong with me is is the Vin Diesel effect. Yeah, just ignore him. But like, but like, he's funny. You can't. Like, it's impossible the, to ignore. The, the thing with him is that I I laugh at it. 
and I don't feel bad laughing at him because I've like the man makes a shitload of money and he's he's by all accounts not a nice bloke. So I don't feel bad laughing at him, not with him, mm. at him, at, at how seriously he's taking it and how like and how he thinks how you know how deep he thinks it all is. And everyone almost everybody else around him, like particularly like the rock, just shows him like, just makes him look silly because they go, I, Do you think this is like an actual film? Like if you if he just embraced the fact that it is a joke, but like that's what makes it good—the fact that he's still taking it seriously—and I laugh at him. I laugh at how like, his his ego and how fucking stupid he is. I just I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but just like yeah, it doesn't. Don't you shouldn't feel bad about laughing at him. He's a multi multi millionaire. Like literally, like you, you look up his. I looked him up on um, Wikipedia just now, and it literally. He describes, uh, known as uh, Mark Sinclair, this is his real name, yeah. <laughs> known, yeah. known professionally as Vin Diesel, is an American actor and filmmaker, one of the world's highest grossing actors. He's best known for playing Dominic Toretto in the Fast and Furious franchise. He's one of the world's highest grossing actors. If you want to laugh at him, fucking laugh at him. That's but, but that's what I mean, is that you're, is you're laughing at him and he's laughing at us. Look. Because he's going... Because we're paying yeah, to go and see it. Because we're, yeah. Because we're paying to go and see it. I've paid £10 this week to watch the the ones that I... So I have, like, full disclosure, I own one, three, four, and six. Yeah. And now I own... All of them. One, three, four, six, seven. And... Yeah, I've rented yeah. the other two. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I, and it's I not—I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's an action film. It's big. It's loud. It's brash. If you're into what that is, that's fine. Like, I enjoy the Transformers films for the same reason that you enjoy the Fast and Furious films. Yeah, there you go. There. Like, that's the thing. But I just can't get on board because it's got this raving egotist in the start in the True, middle of it, I, I, think. I, I, I find, think that's part yeah, of it to be honest maybe that's it because for me the thing i can't get like we, everyone has their things they can't get past so for me the thing with the transformers movies the thing that i couldn't get past was michael bay yeah it's the michael bay of it all it's his sense of humor and his the way he would linger on things his sort of his fucking um leeriness and just, yeah. the, just the grossness of Michael Bay. That's what I couldn't get past with the fast. And I couldn't switch my brain off enough to be able to look past that and just watch the Transformers yeah. film. So I appreciate that yours is probably the same with Vin Diesel. It's just, you know, yeah. what a fucking piece of shit he is. But it's like, yeah. that's why it's great in these movies where The Rock does take over and he becomes the antagonist. Like, you imagine if, yeah, if they had let it all die in five and The Rock had become, and Hobbs had been the hero going forward, you'd still be on board probably, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, as as someone that used to really look up to The Rock, like, seeing how he's, like, where he's come from and where he's sort of become and how he works and stuff, it's, like, it's, it's very admirable. But then also hearing, you know, you hear things about, uh, like, he's the highest grossing actor in the world. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like, I get that because he's in Fast and Furious and he's in this and he's in this and he's in the, you know, the mummy and uh, not the mummy, um, well, he was, uh, but he's in this, this, and this. And it's like, I don't know. It's one of the things that like, I definitely, I probably would have, 
but again it's like those sort of things where you say about like you start to notice like the leeriness of it like the way that he talks about to and about women in films and you're like that's the same way that you talk to women in all the films which is i think one of the reasons i really enjoyed jumanji Mm. is because it's he's so against type yeah in that yeah and there's something to be said like jack black is doing like his exact type but then yeah and i think yeah i think i think we've sort of got to the bottom of it there yeah maybe um, I think, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said, like, I think I was I was reading about Michelle Rodriguez and her sort of involvement in this, because she's obviously been there since the beginning, but yeah. she's threatened to walk out on a couple of occasions because of the, you know, the lack of female um, agency, really, in the movies. Um, yeah. And she sort of made that call again at the end of eight. So I think that hopefully that we'll see something come of that in the next movie. Like the fact that they're bringing back Jordana Brewster is great, to be fair, I think, um, because yeah. it's is it's unfortunate for her like you know as an actress that you know obviously what happened with uh paul walker is awful for everybody involved but it's like i understand writing him out of it and they're kind of a pair as a couple so you kind of have to write her out but it's like should she be out of a job because of that it's like that's not really fair is it and also and not only that she's a a a strong female character and was right the way back in 2001 and and has remained so kept up with the boys all the way through all the you know the, uh, that middle section of the movies so to let her and also she's dom's brother uh, sister so yeah it would be weird for her and that i'm i'm sure there's there's gonna have to be some sort of convoluted way whereby they never show brian but they do show her but i'm glad they found a way to get her into it maybe that is as a result of michelle rodriguez sort of speaking up and saying hey what the fuck kind of thing yeah um so fair play on that on that front yeah definitely and it's and rightfully so as well, I mean, when you think back, what we're saying about stuff like Natalie Emmanuel, who has been reduced to just a wailing wreck of a person, you know, she's always like, oh my God, oh no. And she's always like freaking out. Yeah. And can't really do anything other than hack. And then she just panics. Except the one bit that I was like, this is really good. When they start to try and add some sort of, like you say, some female agency to this when they get to the end of it's eight. Oh yeah, and she's like, "I like you both, but if you can tell me what my last name is, so then we you... can talk more." Yeah, why don't you tell me what my last name is? And they go, "Ah, oh, shit." Yeah, I oh, look. That was good. That was that was. Yeah, they called her out. Yeah, uh, she called them out rather. Um, yeah, but I still can't get over that fucking that scene at the end because like they're on this New York rooftop having the barbecue, and oh yeah, then... it's not Corona anymore. It's Stella. Yeah, and Vin Diesel's like having it. He's he's laughing and joking and smiling at um, Jason Statham. And like, you realize the reason you're not at your house having this right now is because the guy in front of you blew it up, <laughs> and yet you've just forgiven it. it. Yeah, I don't know why that that gets on my nerves, but it does. <laughs> hey, listen, no, we're way past get why would why that thing gets on people's nerves. Yeah, because I'm still watching these films. Yes, you are. Um, I think we've we've talked ad nauseum about these movies now. Um, I think it's probably time to wrap it up. I mean, is there anything that you like? You no. said at the, at the begin- when we started this at the very beginning, you said you've got some thoughts and some things you wanted to bring up. Is there anything you haven't had a chance to bring up that you want to get in now? Um, no, I brought up my suspicion that it's some sort of Mayan amulet. Yeah, we've got the amulet, amulet that they've found. Or that works in a certain way for them, but 
nothing else I'm kind of okay with. Uh, I think that's kind of covered it, to be honest. I mean, we we could be here all day banging on about what I hate about it and what I love about it, but... Yeah, I mean, there's so I much. Pre- I mean, I could I could list all my favourite lines or, like, stupid plot contrivances. Uh, yeah. Just, we, yeah, like I say, we could be here all day, um, but they are fucking mental. <laughs> mm. Just looking through my notes here. Uh, obligatory TNA, uh, parachuting cars... Um, what, yeah, once Ramsey jumps onto the car, why not stop the car? Why do they keep yep. driving? Uh, things like that. Like they just continuously like have to keep moving all the time. Um, Rodriguez versus Rousey, completely random and silly, but Rousey is so robotic, she'd make a, make a great Terminator. <laughs> uh, I'll stand by that. Um, we got a female Terminator with Tiana Loken, didn't we? In you must be the only person on earth who still remembers her name. Yeah, <laughs> don't know why it sticks in my head. Oh, the, yeah. The other thing that I, in terms of the retconning, I think one of the worst ones they've done was that in that last movie where they tried to go back and say that Charlize Theron's character was behind, like Owen Shaw, and he she was behind the people who kidnapped Ramsey, and they tried to do the same thing they did with um, Spectre in James Bond. Where they just went, oh, you know all that stuff that's happened to you over the last few movies? That was me all along. I'm Blofeld. <laughs> like, no, it fucking wasn't. What the fuck are you talking about? You can't just come in and claim a load of shit that someone else did after the fact. No. Bullshit. It's that, that, yeah, it's just, that's that's the worst type of retconning, I think. And that, and they they did that again in 8, which is why 8 is still yeah. probably the worst. I mean, why do we, yeah. One last thing then to wrap it up. What is, do, in your mind, the best out of all of them? Oh, um, three or four. Three or four, okay. Um, to me, yeah. the best is five, and the worst okay. and the worst is eight. The worst is eight. Yeah. Absolutely, for me. Um, and eight and seven are, like, just hard. They're literally hard to watch. Seven, I don't, I don't mind as much. Seven, I, yeah, it's, I don't know. There's something charming about seven still. Um, but I, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I, I really, I really enjoy. Like, yeah, like I say, like three and four, three because it's, it's actually grounded and actually is kind of a, a car guy, film. Oh, three is probably my, yeah, my number two probably. If I was to rank them, I would say yeah. number, number one would be Fast Five, just because it's just that's where everything clicks. Um, yeah, and, but then, it, then it would be Tokyo Drift. And- yeah, and I think four, for me, four sort of exists in that world of this is what Fast and Furious should have been originally. I guess so. I just and like, like if if like seeing that, um, uh, seeing the films at that point, no. So four exists as like the one that I think it should have been where I'm like, okay, this is, this is what this film should have been the whole time. And then it kind of came along and didn't do it and then didn't follow up from there. So I would, I like to sort of imagine all like five, six, seven, eight happened in a slightly less amplified world as, as sort of follow-ups to the other ones. But then I'm like, come on, Tom, just be realistic. Like, you can stop. You can cry over spilt milk, sort of thing. So, yeah. 
I don't know. I, I my I think yeah, my problem with I I I know what you're saying in terms of four is a lot more grounded and and it's technically a better film. I get that, but I think yeah. for me the problem that I have with four is that it's it feels like a pale imitation of better movies. And I specifically I'm thinking of Michael Mann films. I'm thinking of yeah. you know, things like Heat and Collateral, and like they think that's what they're making, and they're like these these tough like you know standoffs between the the undercover cop and the and the the convict and the you know tense scenes between the drug dealers or you what do you two know each other is like the difference is you are not Al Pacino and Robert De Niro or Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise you're Vin Diesel and Paul Walker with the greatest respect do you, do you know what I mean mm. and it's like you're you're trying to you're reaching you'll reach outside your grasp sort of thing and it's like you were better when you and things were blowing up and you were doing a, a skid underneath the the tanker that was blowing up over your head Do yeah that. more of that shit and then and that's what they did in five it's like right there you go <laughs> yeah like no, I, and I, I get what you mean i get what you mean but i'm sort of like i would prefer it try to elevate itself rather yeah. than try to reduce itself and that's yeah, kind of where i'm at right like that. i know i get what you mean and like that, that that is like after that after four they could have gone in that direction and i i think yeah. it, would have, it just would have been a different director if they got if they had mm. got a series like you imagine like you know like a michael mann or a um denny venu or someone doing one of these yeah and then it would be able to it could elevate itself up to that serious crime drama drama level but it's like it's hard to go down that route when you started off with the fast and the furious nick and dvd yeah. players do you know what i mean that's yeah. that's a harder shift than the shift they did do they chose the easier route i think um but i appreciate that like yeah that like i said there that was very much a turning point at four and they could have gone, and I agree, like, genuinely, they, obviously they would have been better movies, like better films would have happened if they had gone down that more serious route. Yeah. But they decided instead to go for the pure entertainment value, and they're still doing that, and, fair, you know. Yeah, like, and there's value to that, you know, yeah. like I'm not claiming to be the sort of the, 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 the target demographic. It's just where I would have liked I'd have loved to have like, you know, you get to a point and you're like, okay, like you start seeing uh, a little bit behind the scenes of it and you're like, oh, okay, these people aren't aren't the idiots they present to be and stuff like that. And you just realise that like Tyrese, like because there is like, there's that shot in seven. Yeah. Seven, seven the one on the ice or is that eight? Eight is the ice one. Right. Um, yeah, there's that part where you go, you sort of see him, and he's like wailing like an like a sort of idiotic banshee, and then all of a sudden, like he's like, I've had enough of this shit, and then gets up, yeah. pulls a gun, and just fucking nails four guys off snow speed of uh, off of uh, yeah, yeah. uh, it, skidoos, yeah, inexplicably, yeah, and you're like. That is the kind of Tyrese that I want to see. I want to see him being like a fast mouth gobshite guy. And then all of a sudden he's like, he can pull a gun rather than just like a cackling idiot. He's just like, oh my God, I never got a Lamborghini. Oh, no, it's bright orange. Everyone's making fun of me because yeah. I talk too loud. Yeah. Again, you know, like he's, they, they have changed each character to suit their needs. And like, he is so removed from what he was in the first in the first film when he turned up like there was yeah. a little bit of his playfulness but he was also like he was a criminal that they used to get in with other criminals 
Do you know what I mean? There was there was a bit of an edge to him still, even though he was there yeah. was a bit of fun to be had. Like, but now he like I say he's completely the clown. Um, yeah, he's the comic relief, and then you know he'll go on Instagram and cry because he spent all of his money and telling the Rock that I thought we were family, man. Like, you you know we said that we weren't going to do this, and you've gone and done this, and you're like, fuck off. It's set the heartbeat. If you and Ludacris were given your own spin-off, you'd have taken it in a fucking heartbeat. Of you'd have torn was. off somebody's arm at the socket for it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> let's let's, let's that's enough up. of that. That's enough of that. Right. Um, that's our thoughts on the Fast and Furious franchise. From <laughs> this from this point onwards, we will only have to review one at a time and watch one at a time. Yeah. Um, so that will begin. Uh, this weekend when we go and see uh, Fast 9. I know it's been out for a bit now and we might have missed it a little bit, but I thought one of us... Joke, we'll, we'll see it. We'll go, see it. Out to go and get quarantined, didn't they, you silly bastard? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, one of us had to fuck off to act toe. That, that's true. Yeah, th- th- there's been a number of things happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so- oh, there's been a number of things now. Now before I know, I'm not the silly bastard. You right. silly bastard. Well done. Good comeback. Um, right. <laughs> Listen, you enjoy those sort of comebacks. The stupid as they are, the more you love them. Look, I ain't got friends. I got family. <laughs> I got family. Let's go bag us a shadow. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, thanks for listening. We will go and see Fast 9 uh, or F9 yep. as it's now called because they don't, they don't even have to use vowels anymore. Um, for 9. For 9. Um, and we will report back. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the summer season is upon us. So we've got Black Widow coming up next week. Um, there's also some new, new streaming stuff coming out. We're going to try and catch the Tomorrow War, the Chris Pratt f- film that's coming out. Yes. Um, so we're going to try and have an episode on that as well. Um, but there's plenty more coming. So thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you on whatever the next one is. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Bye. fucking fast and furious we did it so proud finally got there finally got it done it's over